Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Welcome to another edition of the Missy AE Podcast. Tonight we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the next two hours live before we go into the after uh, the extra hour after show. 
by the way, this podcast is brought to you by Missy A.E. Jim Early. Without him, none of these podcasts would be possible. Uh, we have a lot to cover tonight. We have March Madness currently under, currently in the Elite Eight right now with Arkansas holding a three-point lead over second-seeded Duke. And, hell, we may see another upset tonight potentially if Arkansas can beat Duke. We've had quite a number of upsets to begin with uh, in, in this whole you know, this whole March Madness tournament to begin with as a whole. We will get into that. We will also discuss a whole bunch of signings that have gone down in not just the NFL or trades as well, but also in Major League Baseball. Uh, as, a, as a matter of fact, there is, quite frankly, maybe one huge rule change that might impact the game in a beneficial way uh, for Major League Baseball if they can agree to it. Uh, We have a lot of stuff to get to. So if you want to call in, the number is 657-383-1308. I know we have Alexis on the line. We have Lou on the line. And I know we are expecting expecting to have – uh, a surprise guest join us tonight. Uh, somebody Uh-oh. who who whispers uh, whispers members, longtime whispers members know who this person is. Uh, but perhaps I I don't I don't think he's been actually on. He hasn't been on the sports podcast before. I don't think I, maybe he's been. I think he called in a couple of times to uh, the game podcast potentially uh, but uh, once uh, once they once they officially call in we will get them on the air uh, and who knows uh, actually as a matter of fact I believe our special guest is officially calling in uh, Chris is this you yes it is oh shit it's Chris how's it going man how do you do pretty okay. good what about you it's, it's it's going great. We have uh, we have Lou on the line jo- uh, joining us. We also have yes. Uh, you may you may pre- you may previously know him uh, as Evan. I don't know I don't know if you uh, if you know the uh, uh, the recent events that uh, that have been going on. But uh, Evan now goes by Alexis. So we have Alexis on the line with us as well. Um, Chris, you know it's it's been a while. It's been a while since uh since we've talked you know there's we've been waiting to get you on a on a sports pod i know i know jim has uh has told me a couple of times that uh you know you've been you've been pretty busy uh with with stuff that uh that's been going on so uh it's great to have you on here tonight especially uh with arkansas in the elite eight i know uh, you have them picked for one of your uh, one of your whispers brackets for for March Madness, and I got I got to tell you, man, you know, for oh man, what a three good game for for yeah. what Arkansas for what Arkansas uh, and Coach Musselman actually uh, for what he's been able to do uh, with this group exactly, you know, it's. Yes. It, it, it has really brought Arkansas back to the for, back to the forefront 
of college basketball, and maybe perhaps if they haven't been getting respect to begin with, maybe now is the time that maybe now is the time that uh, with them knocking off Gonzaga like they did, and potentially retiring Coach K tonight. Uh, I think this would be a pretty big statement to the rest of college basketball. And just think, we are the only SEC team left in the tournament. I I, I thought that was pretty crazy, the fact that, uh, I I mean, obviously Arkansas, you know, has has been considered to be the top SEC team in college basketball, but – you know, seeing how Tennessee was ranked number three and they went out so quickly, you know, Auburn fell, Alabama. Well, actually, you know, not a lot of people were looking at Alabama. They see them as more of a of a football uh, university as opposed to basketball. Yeah. So, uh, but normally the SEC is one of the t- is the toughest conference to play in. So to see all these SEC uh, all these SEC teams fall so quickly like they have it's like oh my god now all of a sudden all of all of the pressure basically falls on arkansas to represent for the sec the rest of this tournament and i just can't believe how good st peter's is doing right now oh my god St. peter's who would have thought out of by by the way this is st peter's is the first 15th seed to make it to the Elite Eight. The first yep. 15th seed to ever do it. And, I mean, hell, I never thought they would get past Kentucky, let alone let alone make it all the way to the Elite Eight here. It is – this March Madness may, may be the craziest season for March Madness that we've seen in quite some time, because I don't think we've seen the amount of upsets that that has been brought on this uh, in this tournament so far. I'm just glad we finally got to be able to shut Drew Timmy up. I hated that guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, this has been – just really crazy. I mean, you take you take a look at some of the some of the teams that have fallen. Uh, UConn, although I I honestly think UConn was maybe rated kind of high uh, uh, as the fifth seed, and yet they fought they yeah. fell early to New Mexico State. You know, Alabama fell early. You had you had Kentucky, of course, falling uh, falling in the very first round. I. You know, you you kind of have to wonder, and uh, your dad brought this up in in Sports Whispers. I think it was it was either earlier today or it was yesterday. If maybe perhaps uh, with with now you're seeing three trans three players transferring out of Kentucky, you kind of have to wonder if maybe perhaps the Calipari magic is sort of wearing uh sort of wearing off over there, and maybe perhaps a change is needed. Yeah, most definitely. Coach Cal, he's crazy, all right. He so is. Uh, uh, Lou, what are your what are your thoughts on this? I mean, we have we've had so many upsets, and probably Kentucky, Kentucky and Gonzaga are probably the two most notable upsets that we've seen uh, in this March Madness uh, bracket Absolutely. so far. 
I mean, do you do you think with Kentucky's early exit this year that maybe perhaps the writing may potentially be on the wall for Calipari moving forward? You mean the change of the guard? Yes. You know, a lot of people were having doubts about Calipari, you know, uh, with this Kentucky squad going far in the tournament. So maybe someone was trying to tell us something. I mean, there was a lot of people not very confident in that. But who would have thought they would have lost to a team like St. Peter's, which outside – you know, uh, you know the New York City, New Jersey area doesn't really know anything about. You know, I mean, I'm cl- I'm close to the uh, campus, about a half hour away, and you know, it's the MAC conference, which doesn't get you know a lot of respect. But uh, now I think they're going to be getting a lot more than you know, and they're ready for it. They've waited so long for this, and they're finally getting the, the respect they deserve. I mean, even St. Peter's themselves didn't think they were going to get this far. If you were asking that when the season started, they're like, nah, we'll just, you know, probably, um, you know, if we do, we'll make an early appearance and then get out and get, you know, get whooped. But not the case. They have been the Cinderella team of all Cinderella teams in all the years I've been watching the tournament. Well, maybe, maybe I'm, just, maybe I'm just wrong really here. hope that. I just really hope St. Peter can find some way to beat North Carolina, and I'd love that. If they can do <laughs> it, that'd be something. Oh, I'll, t- I'll tell you, man. If if St. Peter's can if St. Peter's can get by North Carolina, first off, I have a I have a, a coworker who is, uh, or not just a coworker, but also a cousin who are both North Carolina fans. I got to tell you. If St. Peter's can somehow beat North Carolina tomorrow, I'm my phone is going to be blowing up from my cousin. And you'll be because, out of the world. Well, you know, it's just normally normally I rip on him when his uh, when his Tar Heels uh, do horribly in uh, in college football. Yes. And normally, uh, I, I I mean I I admit I I admit I don't really have you know a college basketball team. I have. I have been right. following Arkansas probably the most out of uh, out of all the out of all of college basketball. You know, I don't really watch college basketball uh, religiously. Uh, I only really watch it when March Madness comes on. Right. But, you know, usually usually my cousin he he always continuously talks to me about North Carolina uh, in both basketball and football. So I know he is just – if St. Peter's can continue the magic streak that they're on, it's he, – he may just, in fact, lose his mind. Uh, I mean, it's they can, a lot of people that Arkansas has damn near a straight shot to the championship game. They just get past Duke because I know it would oh, be yeah. a good game between them and St. Peter's. No, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think without a doubt, you know, I, it happens tomorrow. I think I think that if if Arkansas can get can get by Duke tonight, you're probably I, I mean yeah you still you still have Kansas in the equation, but I find it hard to find any other team that would be considered the favorite besides besides Kansas if it isn't Arkansas. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's what my dad was saying. He rather he really hope if Arkansas win it, he really hope Duke or Kansas win it. If we lose tonight, I hope Coach K wins it because he's a great coach. Always been a good coach. What a way to go out, though, if he can. Oh yeah, you, you, you know that's another thing too. Your your dad has said as well that uh, they've basically been presenting 
this whole thing, like all, all completely around Coach K, considering it may be his final game potentially if they don't advance. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, uh, he get, he you know he gets it. It's Co- Coach K has been uh, has been such a such a huge a huge presence around college basketball for the for the past. Well, forty-two years that he's been with Duke, I believe. I believe he coached elsewhere. I think a couple of years too. He coached uh, the Olympic team too. Came to Duke. Army. Yeah, and he coached the Olympic team as well. So, you know, it's, an army first five years. Under- oh, okay. So, so he started off with Army, and then he ended up going to Duke. So, Correct. in in that case, you know, it's it's understandable why. Networks would want to focus primarily on on Coach K here, but let's not let, let's not forget that there's there is there is a team that they're playing too who is on the rise in Arkansas. So, you know, I I, I do kind of hate how I, I get it, but I kind of hate how networks are kind of basically cent, uh, centralizing their. Uh, you know their coverage on one specific on a couple of specific teams instead of, I mean when they, when uh, TBS tonight highlighted a player to watch, they went with Duke instead of going with Arkansas. Yeah. And I, I understand I understand you know they have uh, a, some sort of agenda to fulfill in when when it comes to. Uh, programming, but at least highlight one player from each team if you're going to do that. If you're going to highlight a player, you know, at least highlight a player. Try highlighting a player from each team to watch, like mm-hmm. so, like you see in when they do NBA, NHL, or any any of the major pro sports. Yeah, tonight and really need to watch out for Jay Williams and Note. That's who they need to watch out for tonight. Right, right. Oh yeah, yeah. And you, you know, I uh, I said this in in Sports Whispers a little bit ago as well. If if Note can finally get off of his cold start, like I I said this uh, at the beginning of March Madness, that Arkansas better not have the ghost of Moses Moody come back. And you know, when when you have a when you have a player who's been the star of your team, and then all of a sudden he completely disappears in March Madness, that's what killed them last year when Moody basically disappeared once it came, once it came around to March Madness. And if Note can just have a JD Note type game where he completely goes off, you know, there's a pretty good chance that. Uh, Arkansas could potentially come away with this. I mean, yeah, right J.D. Note really needs to step up this game. Like, he really does. Yeah, right now he's three for five, uh, two for two from three-point range for eight points. So he's, curr- he's currently leading in points. Uh, I guess, you know, p- part of it – uh, has to has to do as well with just how good of a shooting team that Duke is. The fact that now, and I believe they drew the foul there, uh, so Arkansas going to the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, that Duke is up by four, po- possibly up by three uh, after this free throw. 
for uh, for Jalen Williams. You know, it, it it could it could just be that at at some at some points in the game, you know, Duke is just a better shooting team. Uh, but Alexis, let me get your thoughts on the on the uh, the the thought that we brought up earlier. If Arkansas can somehow knock off Duke tonight, would you consider Arkansas to be the favorite? Oh, for sure. Even though I need Duke to win for my bracket, I really want Arkansas to win this game. I mean, I know, I know you're still a little sore for uh, Texas A&M not making the tournament, uh, especially after that they works. beat Arkansas just before the tournament began. Um, right. That, we're we're going to win the NIT. It's, it's fine. Yeah, but, you know, you, you would much rather be in the, uh, in the March Madness bracket. I mean, Chris, yeah. you know, wasn't, that kind of surpri- wasn't that kind of surprising, Chris, that, X, that A&M didn't make it? After uh, after the the performance they put on against Arkansas, very because I just think after they beat Arkansas, it just gave Arkansas a little bit more drive to make it to where they are right now because they they are the only team right now to knock off the number one team in the postseason and the regular season. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, so they can I, they can I, literally I, I, beat I, anybody. Like me and my dad were talking, they can literally beat anybody if they can't want it to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They they definitely have a lot. Uh, you know, all the talent needed in order to uh, in order to take down any college basketball team. The only the only problem is is sometimes the execution. You know, uh, especially, and also it it doesn't help either that. Uh, the referee, you know, the the referees. I, I know a lot of times when I when I make this statement, a lot of people say, "Oh, you're just, you know, you're just a you 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 just think the referees are against every every team that's your favorite." But yeah, in the game against Gonzaga, there were a couple of calls that were going in Gonzaga's favor that just it just made you look and say. Where was the foul? Like literally, where? Because it couldn't 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 see one bit where where some of those some of those fouls were deserved on uh, on Arkansas, and that was basically the ref the referees and the leagues uh, or NCAA's way of trying to keep Gonzaga in the game when it was becoming clear that Arkansas was starting to run away with it. Yeah. So the rest were definitely trying to favor Gonzaga. They were calling so many fouls that weren't even like, what the heck was that? They were they were trying to favor Gonzaga really bad that game, but Yes. Well I'm I'm definite I'm definitely happy that uh you know, that Arkansas was able was even though it ruined my bracket because I picked Gonzaga for uh, for one of my brackets. Duke is my other bracket, but the bracket that for some reason is leading the group right now uh, with Gonzaga being out. You know, I I I, I kind of don't understand that with how ESPN does it. You know, if I would think yeah. that if you're 
that if your team for a champion, whoever you picked, whether it's Gonzaga or in your case you picked Arkansas, because at one point you were uh, you were in the top three, I think at one point for uh, for the Whispers group. So I would rather have it where it's not based on points, but it's based on who is left in you know who whose pick is still left in contention as opposed to, oh, you know, yeah, you're, you know, your championship team is, uh, is officially out, but, oh, you're still leading in points by like 40. So uh, you could potentially still win, you know, still win the, uh, the, ter- the uh, tournament amongst, uh, amongst everybody else. Right. Right. But, um, you know, I, I want to go away from co- obviously college basketball. We will get back. We will get back to uh, to March Madness in a minute. But um, I want to talk about a very scary situation that has come up uh, in the professional wrestling world uh, with Triple H. Oh. Because Triple H, uh, everybody everybody knows him as the uh, COO of the WWE right now. Or technically, he's the executive vice president, but uh, he had to take a break from from uh, running from running his uh, his portion of the company in uh, in order to deal with health issues. Uh, he officially announced his retirement yesterday on ESPN's first take after he suffered what was considered. You know they're almost labeling it as potential heart failure. Yes. As uh, he apparently it, it requires him now to have a, defib- a, a defibrillator put in his chest. Um, as a matter of fact, he said he said he almost uh, when he was interviewed by Stephen A. Smith uh, yesterday. He said that he almost died late last year as he wasn't feeling well. He went to see the doctors who performed tests on him. Uh, he had an EKG and an echo. Uh, an, 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 uh, I can't speak right now. An echocardiogram, uh, mm. whatever, whatever that is. I think that like measures the, uh, the beats of the heart or something like that, or how many, mm-hmm. how many, time, how many uh, seconds, uh, Basically, he said that he got a quick test, a quick text message saying, "Don't take time. Pack a bag real quick, and head to the emergency room." And when he got to the hospital, apparently his heart was functioning at a very diminished level, and and he actually said, "I was nose diving, and I was sort of at the one yard line where you don't want to be when it comes to." Uh, when it comes to you know the condition the condition of your heart, um, apparently he said that he almost suffered heart failure with everything that everything that went down. He ended up having to have a, a defibrillator uh, put into his put into his chest, and actually there was a doctor who talked about this. Uh, and he he mentioned how Triple H mentioned that he had an ejection fraction, which has something to do with with the heart or something, and how the number 
uh, they grade it on a certain number scale, and his number was kept diminishing quicker and quicker and quicker to the point of where uh, if he didn't make that trip to the emergency room, he could have died, like, literally the very next day from what it sounds like. Um, but the doctor had said an ejection fraction is a measure of heart function. It's graded from one, which is around 60%, down to four, which is less than 20%. It can concur a prognosis of no more than a few years if it doesn't recover at that level. So uh, Triple H basically having a defibrillator is now because the heart function is so low that he can develop uh, what's called arrhythmias that are lethal, uh, which basically the defibrillator is designed to help prevent him from dying, essentially. And uh, basically his cardiology team thinks that a combination of medication could lead to a, to a remodeling of, uh, of his heart where the heart function ends up recovering, but it says here that if it doesn't, he's probably looking at a transplant. And either situation, uh, the stress of potentially wrestling again could easily trigger an arrhythmia or heart failure again. So wrestling at this point is definitely out of the equation when it comes to Triple H. So uh, probably one of the best heels to have ever to have ever uh, laced up a pair of wrestling boots uh, will officially, even though he was supposed to do something at WrestleMania this year, uh, WrestleMania next week, actually, uh, he officially will no longer uh, wrestle ever again, even if it's a one-time thing. Yeah. And now, Chris, I I know you're a wrestling fan. Uh, Your dad has has talked to, multiple times about how uh about how you would always kick his ass in the WWE games uh that would uh that would be released what are what are your thoughts on uh on Triple H essentially calling it a career I think him calling it a quits since all his uh heart failure and stuff I think is a good a good point they're doing that because he don't need to go around wind up messing it up in the ring just for a one-time thing, and it could potentially end his life. I just think that's the best, that's the best choice he could do right now, just step away from wrestling because he is getting old. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is definitely. And, yeah, I used he to is beat the hell out of my dad in the WWE games. I just beat the hell out of him with a chair all the time. He used to get mad at me. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Really? Uh, I, I remember. I, I remember whenever I would have the old uh, the old wrestling games uh, by THQ, I would always want to go for the uh, for the hardcore matches. Never have uh, never have those traditional uh, you know standard uh, professional wrestling matches on there. I would always try to go for the uh, for the hardcore matches at any at any time that I could. But I think. You know, this sort of speaks volumes as well, considering the fact that, I mean, yeah, he's 52 years old. You know, he's he's pretty much been been done with wrestling for the most part uh, in an active capacity to where, 
normally if he does if he ever does make any appearances in in ring it's usually a one time thing uh during that year and really that pretty much started ever since he became uh you know part of the front office for for the WWE and you know got an executive role officially but you know it's i think part of obviously a huge reason is the fact that you know you don't you don't want him with a defibrillator in his chest potentially getting revived right in the middle of a wrestling ring no in front of a in front of a, in front of a packed audience um but I I do kind of think that also uh, the death of his close friend Scott Hall I think kind of played a factor in that as well, where oh, yeah, Scott yeah. Hall you know he had a number of issues as well, you know I think I think that's partially weighed on his weighed on his uh, on his mind as well when it came to uh, making this decision. Although the, technically the decision was kind of made for him, uh, but. Yeah, you know, you know, Triple H may be one of the best wrestling heels that we've had in the business. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't know of too many other people who were natural heels during the during their time with the company that could really sell uh, the way that Triple H was able to. Uh, Alexis, uh, what are, what are your thoughts on? on Triple H essentially calling it a career. And do you, th- do you think that potentially um, maybe perhaps a Hall of Fame induction might be in the near future? I definitely think for sure a Hall of Fame induction in the future. Like being Scott Hall and going to go out like that. Yeah, you don't want to continue wrestling knowing that it's like – if you continue, you're just going to flop over. Mm-hmm. You need to put, put your health first and foremost. No amount of money is is worth it. Well, of course. Of course. It's, you know, literally no, uh, no, no amount of money, no amount of uh, – whether it's about satisfying the fans, you know – None of that even matters at all. Uh, and, you know, I think yeah. Triple H, he's, I think he's been, he's been more than fine with staying out of the ring the past couple of years anyways, because I mean, he's been, you know, he's been involved uh, with, with uh, forming NXT and everything in the, in the WWE. So he's taken more of a backstage role. I mean, yeah, he still had on-air appearances, you know, as an authority figure, but as far as actually actively wrestling in the ring, you know, it's it, he hasn't really had much of a presence uh, in recent years to begin with. Right. So, in a, it, you kind of figure that, I mean, at first we thought that he was getting groomed to have the uh, the company passed down to him, but... I mean, obviously, with recent with recent events, with Vince basically uh, stripping him from NXT and removing all of Triple H's guys from NXT and releasing them outright, you know, it's I, I guess maybe uh, you know Triple H is no longer considered to be the front runner to have uh, 
the WWE passed on down to him once Vince ever decides to retire. Uh, but, you know, Triple, Triple H definitely, I, I, I would consider that you're probably looking at a Hall of Fame induction next year. I mean, obviously this year it's, it's Undertaker being in, being in Dallas. Uh, so Triple H, you know, he already got in with DX and he, he is going to get in probably next year. And I wouldn't be shocked with the, uh, with the 2K games officially picking back up. They did the Rey Mysterio showcase this year, which I thought was a pretty good, uh, I thought it was a pretty good tribute to, uh, to Rey Mysterio who, honestly probably doesn't really have many years left himself in the wrestling ring. Um, I would think that maybe perhaps along with a retire or along with a uh, hall of fame induction that maybe perhaps we may see a triple H showcase for next year's uh, WWE 2K23 uh, video game, assuming that WWE, you know, uh, renews their contract with 2K Games instead of going to the rumored uh, EA Sports, which would, I mean, let's be perfectly honest, uh, you go to EA and EA basically turns your your entire franchise into uh, nothing but microtransactions where you have to pay for everything. But, yeah, you know, Triple H, this... This now gives him the opportunity to focus more on the uh, corporate side of things. If he does, whenever he does officially decide to uh, to return, and you know, like I said, it it, it doesn't mean that he's not going to be able to be on TV. He may still appear as an authority figure, but as far as uh, you know. They'll probably have some sort of rule where, you know, wrestlers won't be able to put their hands on him for whatever reason because because of the uh, because of the te- technically they call it a pacemaker I think even though it's a defibrillator technically they call it a pacemaker uh, that he that he has had installed so. Uh, basically, he'll have that type of no contact, no contact rule when he does officially uh, return to uh, to the TV screens. But uh, a quick little update here: we have uh, Duke with a ooh now seven point lead on Arkansas, uh, forty to thirty three with about a minute fifteen. About a minute 15 to go in the first half here. And, I mean, Arkansas may be, Arkansas may be down now, but at least they're shooting better than the 29% that Villanova shot earlier today and somehow what still was won. 51 years. The lo- Wait a minute. The lowest percentage in 51 years for, for Villanova? Yes. Well, overall, in general, UCLA in 1971 had uh, the lowest, or rather, second lowest. That was that was low itself. That was only like around 29 percent, or 28 percent huh. around that figure. Just by the up. way, Tim, I 
By the way, Tim, I see you in the chat room. Uh, feel free to call in, 657-383-1308. I know you're watching the Arkansas game. We're all watching the Arkansas game. So yes, you can feel free to join us at any, at any point in time uh, from the chat room there. But now we do, we do have actually uh, a huge move to talk about that went down in the NFL this week as just when it seemed like everything was starting to sort of simmer down a little bit, you know, maybe there would be one week where we wouldn't have all of these, uh, you know, we wouldn't have this flurry of activity. Nope. Up, uh, up pops the Kansas city chiefs and uh, Alexis, I know you are incredibly saddened by this. Uh, nope, Nick, Nick. Next story. I don't like the story. Next one. Well, I got to talk about it, though, because the Kansas City Chiefs, they had two offers on the table, one from the Miami Dolphins and one from the New York Jets to trade Tyreek Hill. They ultimately ended up going with the Dolphins, as the Dolphins sent over a package of five draft picks, including the first and second round picks in this year's draft, uh, which will be pick number 29 and pick number 50, as well as a fourth round pick this year and fourth and sixth round picks in 2023. And along with that trade compensation going the way of the Kansas City Chiefs, the Dolphins are also giving Hill a four-year, $120 million extension, which includes $72 million in guarantees, making him officially the highest-paid wide receiver in the league. And now you're looking at, you know, just when you thought that the AFC East was a two-team division with, uh, with Buffalo and the recently re-emerging New England Patriots, who weirdly have done absolutely nothing this offseason, now you have the Dolphins getting perhaps the most terrifying tandem of Tyreek Hill to pair with Jalen Waddell now uh, as their top two wide receivers. And we saw how good of a rookie season Jalen Waddle had last year. I mean, let's start off with you. Let's start off with you, Chris. Do you think this potentially propels Miami over the Patriots as the number two team in the, in the AFC East? I definitely think they are because I think Tyree Hill is going to be a big upstep for the Miami Dolphins offensively because he was, like you said, he's the highest paid wide receiver in the league right now. And I see them going, I see them potentially, I see them matching perfect with the Patriots this upcoming season because adding Tyreek Hill with Jalen Waddle, that's going to be fun to watch. I mean, the the Patriots, you know, when they faced Kansas City in the past, back when, when Hill was still there and Brady was still in New England, uh, you know, usually Belichick would be able to prepare to defend Hill. But now the problem is, you okay, you, you defend against you you singled out Hill uh, in double coverage, but now you have to worry about Jalen Waddell. 
and vice versa. If you uh, if you double up uh, Waddle, you got to worry about Hill. So, I mean, offensively, I think Miami may be one of the top or one of the top offenses potentially in the league now. The the, the problem is going to be their defense and whether or not uh, they've been able to improve their defense enough. But I mean, just taking a look at Tyreek Hill last year, 111 catches which was third in the league. Granted, he was getting catches, th- uh, he was getting passes thrown to him by Pat Mahomes. And, I mean, he's going from Pat Mahomes to Tua Tunga-Vailoa now. So uh, he had 1,239 yards, which was good for seventh among wide receivers. He had nine touchdowns, which was tied for ninth in the league. And he had an average of 11.2 yards per catch, which was good for 73rd amongst amongst pass catchers. I mean, to me, it's uh, this is a terrifying addition to the Miami Dolphins, and you know, it just it just yeah. makes me further look at what the Patriots have done this off season and all they've done is really sign scrubs. Like they, I mean, they re-signed, you know, players that they needed uh, like James White and Devin McCourty uh, and Matthew Slater. But, you know, now you take a look at the, at the players that New England has added uh, some, some guy who couldn't even last in Houston, you know, and it's like, what are you guys doing? You guys are just sitting around while everybody else around you is getting better. And I know the Patriot yeah. way is, uh, you know, p- the Patriot way was what won uh, six NFL or six Super Bowl titles in 20 years. And that's a, you know, that was because of the Patriot way, but Bill has to recognize that nobody's going to take less money to come to new England now. I mean, it's not like you have Brady as your quarterback anymore. You know, you have, granted, Mac Jones. You know, he had a pretty good rookie year. But you got to actually surround him with talent. And unless they're expecting a huge bounce-back year from Jonu Smith, it's like New England – I'll be right back. They didn't even – all right, Lou. You know, it's it's like it's like this new you know this New England uh, team this year. Uh, right now, they have the over under at eight and a half for wins, which is I mean they had an over under of ten last year, uh, heading into the season. So, you know, I'm I'm definitely I'm kind of worried being you know with me being a Patriots fan I'm kind of worried that the lack of the lack of acquisitions that Belichick has made this year when this offseason when he said that he that he wanted the defense to get uh to get younger and faster and instead out of all the guys that he signed so far speed hasn't been something that you know they've looked at as a as a factor in signing, and you know it's not like they've gotten younger. So un- unless he's going to make some miraculous moves at the draft, 
to where you know they can they can land a couple of guys uh, through through the drafting process. I'm kind of thinking you might be looking at the top two teams in the AFC East now being the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins, which to me is kind of terrifying considering the fact that Tyreek Hill, uh, you, you add Tyreek Hill to Jalen Waddell, who's literally just coming off of his, his rookie season and has like three, three years remaining on his deal. So, Needless to say, Miami is going to be a problem for quite a while. That is assuming that Tua continues to improve. But Alexis, uh, what are what are your thoughts on on this? Because I know, I know when I talked to you earlier this week when it happened, uh, needless to say, you were not you were not happy one two bit with uh, with Tyreek Hill. Uh, moving on from from the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I definitely feel the same way. I wish we were able to keep them. Guess I'm not going to be able to wear all my Hill stuff anymore. Well, you could you could potentially sell it. Although I don't know I don't I don't know if that if uh, <laughs> you know if they'll be in high demand at all. Uh, Probably but, not. You know. He, Here's another thing that kind of confuses me is uh, new head coach Mike McDaniel has been talking about how they really want to emphasize the run game in as part of Miami's offense this year. So, if that's the case, if they're if they're looking at if they're looking at primarily being a run a run based offense. What are you what are you doing adding the likes of Tyreek Hill unless you're gonna have him play the Wildcat or something? I, I just don't understand it. But we we also had another move go down uh along going off of the Deshaun Watson uh acquisition that took place last week uh, for the Cleveland Browns, the team that uh, that almost got him, the Atlanta Falcons, they have now officially decided to move on from Matt Ryan as the Indianapolis Colts now have Matt Ryan as their new quarterback in, in place of Carson Wentz uh, in exchange for a third-round pick in this year's draft. Uh, Matt Ryan will now go on to captain a Indianapolis Colts team that looked like they were going to be in the playoffs this year before fumbling down the uh, fumbling down the line, and I believe one of their losses was to the Jaguars, which ultimately put a cap on their season, finishing at nine and eight. Uh, now, you know, since Andrew Luck retired uh, years ago, they now have their fourth week one quarterback to start to start off a new season. And technically you could say that this could be potentially an upgrade for them at quarterback with uh with the questionable decision making that Carson Wentz made last year. Uh I know Tim uh you know in the in the chat in the chat room Tim tell uh tell me what you think of this but uh 
I would think that Matt Ryan is probably a much better decision maker uh, compared to compared to Carson Wentz. But the Colts' supporting cast is still solid. You know, they have an elite running game with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Problem is, though, they need some wide receiver help. They only really have Michael Pittman uh, for for when it comes to wide receivers, and. It's still miles better though than what Atlanta is left to, as they only they're only stuck now with with uh, tight end Kyle Pitts, as well as uh, as well as Cordero Patterson. That's pretty much uh, what Atlanta is stuck with. And now, uh, along with this, the Falcons are taking on a massive forty and a half million dollar dead cap hit by trading Matt Ryan also allows him uh, or it allows them to pursue a true rebuilding process in this case uh, as the Falcons then uh, then went on and signed the Marcus Mariota uh, in to a, to a two-year deal but from what it sounds like it sounds like uh, don't be shocked if you see Atlanta take a quarterback early on in this year's draft from the sounds of things uh, as obviously they'll be lo- they'll be looking to to you know draft their their next franchise quarterback, but uh, you know with them bringing in Mariota, this now gives Mariota the opportunity to once again be a starter for the first time since he left Tennessee a couple of years ago, uh, and has since been the backup to Derek Carr for the past few seasons. But, uh, you know, let's start off with you, Chris. What are your thoughts on the Matt Ryan deal? Because, you know, a lot of people have argued that perhaps the problem with with Ryan's production over the past couple of years is the fact that Atlanta, they haven't really surrounded him with much talent out there. I think it'd be a bigger step for Matt Ryan leaving such a such a team with no talent around them because they got because I can't even think of the name but Indianapolis they got good wide receiver and they got a good running back so I think it'd be a big step yeah, for they, Matt Ryan to be an Indy. Yeah, they got Jonathan. Uh, they got Jonathan Taylor who is uh, yeah perhaps one of the perhaps one of the biggest uh, bursts of speed for a uh, for a for a running back in recent memory that I can, that I can recall. So, you know, I definitely think apart from, I mean, when you compare Kyle Pitts to uh, Mo Ali Cox uh, for, for Indianapolis, I'd say maybe the only downgrade that Matt Ryan is getting here is at the tight end position, but otherwise he definitely has a much better group. Uh, surrounding him, uh, much better offensive line as well in Indianapolis compared to Atlanta. So maybe perhaps we might see, uh, obviously we won't be seeing MVP numbers coming out of him, but maybe we'll see closer to the Matt Ryan that we saw uh, whose team okay, ended up blowing a 28-3 to lead. But uh, Lou, now now that you're back, Lou, what are your thoughts on uh, the Indianapolis Colts 
acquiring Matt Ryan uh, in exchange for a third-round pick in this year's draft. I mean, could hmm. could the change of scenery for Matt Ryan uh, be helpful for him in perhaps rejuvenate or reviving uh, what looked to be almost a dead career in a dead offense? Not only for Ryan will be an impressive move, but I think it will also be a move to help the Colts because they can use it. They need a, they need a quarterback desperately. So, you know, that's, that's going to that's gonna change the scenery. Uh, for Ryan, it's going to be a plus, and it's going to be, I think, a plus for the team. Although my uh, major disappointment of the week was Tyreek Hill going for the fish over the Jets because they were the only two teams that were really in contention, but the Dolphins seemed to have a more attractive offer. So, once again we get kicked right where it counts. Yeah. And actually uh, it's, you know, that, that's one, th- that's one thing that we had, uh, that we had talked about while, while you were away. Uh, I want to bring that up birthday call. the Jets. Uh, I want to bring up the Jets offer for Tyreek Hill, because what's interesting about this is Kansas city was reportedly ready to accept the Jets offer if Tyreek Hill decided Mm. he wanted to go to the Jets. The Jets had supposedly offered two second round picks and a third rounder to the Chiefs for Mm. Tyreek Hill and a fourth round pick. And instead, they ended up going with Miami's offer, which was a first and second rounder this year, uh, along with a fourth rounder this year. And I think it was was either a fourth and fifth next year or a fourth and sixth next year. I forget which, but uh, regardless, regardless, you know, on paper, it kind of looks like, you know, the, the dolphins had the better offer, but I thought it was kind of surprising when it was reported that the jets, if, if Hill wanted to go to the jets, Kansas city was willing to take, the two second round picks and a third, as opposed to asking them for either the fourth or the tenth overall pick. I see. Yeah, but you know, every time we can try to see if we can get a top notch player, something goes wrong, and this was just another. This was just another example. But Lou, uh, you know, since we're back to the uh, the Tyreek Hill story, what are your thoughts on Ty- on uh, on Miami now with the addition of Tyreek Hill? Do you think this makes them a potential a potential threat to the Buffalo Bills for the uh, for the division title? Now, if the Buffalo Bills have anything to say about it, I still think maybe they have one more shot left in them at least. So Miami might try to make all the moves they can get by acquiring Terry Kill, but I still say that uh, the Bills are... No, you know, I think you have a point there. I think Miami might be able to take it because uh, Buffalo might be losing some steam. Um, you know, they've lost some uh, good players. So I think Miami might make a serious legitimate challenge here. I mean, when you think about it, you know, you have Jalen Waddle, you have Tyreek Hill. There's no way you can double team the both of them at the same time. You have to double team mm. one of them, and that, regardless of which one you double team, that just leaves the other one wide open for a potential yes. huge gain. And it's almost like, you know, it, if you double if you double team Waddle, Tyreek Hill is going to go off. If you double team Hill, Waddle is going to go off. So it's like, right. 
there's I, it's it's kind of hard for for teams to now game plan against this offense because you know you have two dynamic receivers that are going to be able to go off at any point at any point uh, in the game here. And also, not to not to mention as well, they did uh, Miami did improve uh, their running back position a little bit, bringing in Chase Edmonds. Uh, they did re-sign yes. Mike Gesicki to be their starting tight end. And, you know, Miami is basically making this move with the assumption that Tua Tunga-Vailoa is going to take a step forward this year. Uh, okay. As opposed to many, many, people, many people argue that he may have potentially taken a step back next, uh, last year. Yes, he sure did. I mean, Tag so, is, you know, everybody thought Tag was going to be the next big thing, and, uh, you know, and he hasn't really built the potential. Not much at all. I mean, he did have a 7-5 and five record last year as a starter. You know, he did, he did have a 7-5 and five record. Uh, he had 16 touchdowns, 10 picks. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the stats sort of seem cleaner in his rookie year, considering he was, yes, he was splitting, he was splitting time with Ryan Fitzpatrick in his rookie year. But as long, as long as they, they figure that he's going to take that next step, you know, that this is basically investing in not just the future, but also the present with uh, bringing in Tyreek Hill. You know, the, and, and mm-hmm. like, I, like I mentioned earlier, with the lack of moves made by the Patriots this offseason, it really makes me think now that you're probably, you're probably looking at, uh, you know, the AFC East being dominated by either the Bills or the Dolphins this yes. year. Boy, I can't say the same for the Jets. No, you know, I've I've said you know I've I've said this multiple times, but it would ta- it would honestly take an act of God for the Jets organization to be back, uh, you know, to be turned back into. Uh, into winners, it, it's really yeah. it's ever since they decided ever since they decided to move on from Rex Ryan, that's basically where that's been the problem. That yeah. team, that's where that team has completely collapsed. Big time. Yeah, but they haven't been able to adapt to any of the coaches since. What a shame. So we do. Uh, we are, of course. Uh, for March Madness, we are at, at halftime right now. Duke with a 12-point lead over Arkansas, 45-33. Still plenty of time left uh, for Arkansas to turn this thing around. Uh, J.D. Note leading the way, eight points, three of six shooting. Uh, still two of two from three-point range. Uh, Jalen Williams with seven points, seven points, five rebounds on three of eight shooting. Uh, you also have... Devontae Davis off of the bench with seven points on three of four shooting. Uh, Amude, two of four for five points. 
and Tony and Wade both have a both have a basket as well. So, you know, there's still there's still plenty of time left. Uh, hope, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, Musselman has been able to uh, put together some sort of game plan uh, in the locker room here to where. You know they'll be able to slow down Duke. You know Duke right now is shooting at a 55% mm-hmm. clip compared to 41% for Arkansas. Um, they're also winning the rebound battle 22 to 12. So uh, you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of changes that have to be made right now. Uh, yes. In this game plan here, but we you know we will see if Arkansas. Uh, we'll be able to turn this thing around. Uh, some potentially bad news for Villanova. Uh, Justin Moore, who went down with an injury uh, late in the game. From the sounds of things, it sounds like it might be a torn Achilles, Uh-oh. potentially, which would be devastating. Uh, I, you know, I'm. I mean, considering considering how Villanova played today, you know, not really a lot of a lot of people aren't really looking at them as potential champions. But uh, it doesn't help when you lose uh, when you lose Justin Moore potentially for the uh, for the rest of the tournament for game four point nine rebounds and two point three assists. He's also he also shot forty point one percent from the field this season. So there's it's not a it's not a good look for uh you know for the uh Villanova Wildcats here if they are gonna enter the final four uh being a man down. All right. Uh one of the other big moves here, and depending on depending on uh, on what people thought about uh, the Cincinnati Bengals this week, this year with them making the Super Bowl, you know, some people think it was a, it was a one time thing. Other people think that maybe perhaps if they got offensive line help, that maybe that would kind of help that would that would uh, potentially take them back to the Super Bowl sooner rather than later. Well, the Bengals have officially given Joe Burrow some protection. As not only not only have have they uh, gotten Alex Kappa from Tampa Bay and Ted Karras from the Patriots, they have now added Lyle Collins from the Dallas Cowboys to a three-year deal. And it is considered to be a huge upgrade for Joe Burrow when it comes to his offensive line. Uh, however, he does have an interesting history, including a six-game suspension last season for attempting to bribe a drug test collector. But okay. This is good news, though, for all Bengals skill position players, and maybe perhaps Wow, you 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 never rarely see that with a basketball stuck on top of the hoop. 
they had to, they had to get one of the ra- one of the Razorback cheerleaders to get it down for uh, for everybody. Ah, I don't think I've the week for next week. I don't think I've ever seen I don't think I've ever seen the ball stuck on that specific part of the uh, of the hoop. I think I have. Not in, the, I mean, not in this game, get, but I think I've seen it before like this. I've seen it get caught in, you know, stuff behind the hoop, but I've never really seen it get caught right on top on that at that specific position like that. But yeah, for, for know, great what I was saying. <laughs> From, from from what I was saying though, you know, with uh, with the addition of Lyle Collins, you may potentially be looking at uh, Joe Burrow possibly returning to. Uh, well, may, maybe if he doesn't get back to the Super Bowl, uh, let's just say we won't be having another one of those games where he gets sacked nine different times because his offensive line can't hold up. Because they definitely improved from the offensive, uh, you know, on the offensive line this uh, this off season. But uh, you know, since we were talking about the Tyreek Hill situation uh, with him going to the Dolphins, the Chiefs they decided to replace Tyreek Hill with Marquez Valdez Scantling. Once again, the other favorite target of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so, Marquez Valdez Scantling is now headed to Kansas City on a three-year, thirty million dollar deal. Eighteen million of it comes within the first two years, and the maximum value of the deal is reportedly thirty-six million when you factor in incentives. Uh, All right. He did have he did he did miss some games for the first time uh, this season and only had a season of about 430 yards, but he did lead the NFL in yards per reception uh, in 2020, and he has a career yards per reception of 17 and a half in four seasons. Now, many would consider this to be a pretty drastic overpay for somebody. Uh, with the the likes of Marcus Valdez Scantling, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean it's I, I'll just say this: I would rather have Tyreek Hill than have Valdez Scantling at this point. I think you're right. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, Alexis, I'm pretty sure you're. I'm pretty sure you're not happy at all with this. Uh, with this acquisition, I mean, you would probably want Tyreek uh, back as opposed to uh, somebody who wasn't even Aaron Rodgers' number one uh, number one option. Oh, for sure, I would love Tyreek back. Man, what what in the hell is going on with Arkansas right now? Yeah. I mean, jeez. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The Chiefs, though, they weren't done. They did also acquire Ronald Jones, 
they signed him to a one-year deal formerly from Tampa Bay. Uh, he can earn up to $5 million uh, with incentives. And Jones, honestly, he's more of a backup at this point for, for running back because he, he ended up losing his job to Leonard Fournette. Uh, he had the lowest rushing total since his rookie year uh, as part of last year. And basically, uh, he now takes over as the top backup to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, replacing Jarek McKinnon and Daryl Williams, who are both free agents. So chances are you're probably seeing the both of them walking as well from Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, it does look like this could potentially, though, be insurance for the Chiefs if they end up losing uh, Edwards Hilaire once again to injury because he has missed 10 games over the last two seasons. So something to keep an eye on if you're a Kansas City fan, considering the fact that, yeah, it's, you know, I think what's kind of surprising to me is the fact that they didn't look at bringing back McKinnon or Williams yet. Uh, and instead they went with Jones. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe it's a money thing at this point that the, uh, you know, the uh, Pat Mahomes deal is finally catching up to Kansas city. I mean, yeah, they gave him half a billion dollars uh, in his new, uh, his new record uh, record setting deal, but, you know that we said this last year when the deal was made that this would ultimately end up backfiring in the long run on Kansas City, and we're seeing that now with you know seeing Tyreek Hill leave because you uh, you could only afford to give him twenty million as opposed to thirty million, mm. and you know now we're seeing I I guarantee you you know there's there's a bunch of other players who will be coming up, I believe, next year uh, for new deals. And you may see that Tyreek Hill may be the first of stars from Kansas City that you'll see leave town. All right, Chris, let me get your thoughts on Kansas City. You know, uh, with the AFC West basically stacking up this offseason – you know, it's basically become, uh, you know, a contest of who can outdo the other uh, when it comes to acquisitions. And is it just me, or does it seem like maybe perhaps the noose is starting to tighten around Kansas City a little bit when it comes to AFC West domination? I just think it's going to be a huge downfall for Kansas City because I just don't see how they they could, they wouldn't want to pay Tyree Hill the money to stay in Kansas City, but they let him go and wind up signing Juju Truster to take or be with him. When that just uh, that, that they're going to be a huge downfall from Tyree Hill to Juju Truster from Pittsburgh. That's going to be a huge downfall because Juju he's nowhere near Tyree Hill's performance. Nowhere, and I'm no. Kansas City. This, 
And I think Kansas City is going to have a problem this season coming up with Denver since they recently just signed Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, yes. not, it's not just with Denver, but you also have, you have uh, Vegas getting Devontae Adams uh, and potentially they're in the move. running for Gil. They're potentially in the running for Gilmore as well, from what it sounds like. Uh, you know, you got the you got the Chargers picking up Khalil Mack from from Chicago. You know, it's and I can't believe Bob Miller went to the Bills. I, I am I am stunned. First off, that uh, not only did he leave L.A., but that he didn't go back to Denver, and that the Bills went out and signed him to a six-year, $120 million deal. I mean, you're giving, you're giving a guy that much into his – let me make sure I have the math right here. Uh, basically, he'll be 39 years old at the end of that contract, and you're going to pay him $20 million per season. That's just absurd. I mean, like Tom Brady, he's in his 23rd season. He deserves the money more than anybody. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, and I, I still I still say that, uh, you know, part of the reason why he left was because mm-hmm. uh, he was sick and tired of the whole Patriot way where uh, right. you have to give up money. You have to give up money in order to benefit the team as a whole when really – Brady could have been making, you know, easily twenty, twenty-five, maybe thirty million dollars per year, his entire career. So you know, for, for Von, but I mean, to sign Von Miller to a six-year deal worth twenty million average annual value, I'm sorry, no, you're that's. No, Buffalo, I just Buffalo I just couldn't see him doing that. After he just won a ring, I don't see why he'd leave L.A. But I guess I just see him doing him. Well, you know, L.A. I guess they decided they decided to uh, to use all that money for the uh, Matthew Stafford extension. Because now all of a sudden Matthew Stafford is being paid on the same level as Aaron Rodgers. Jeez, oh, look at this. Oh, don't count! You know, don't count out Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. count out Arkansas. Let me tell you, get what's happening the now? line here? Because I can't. Uh, where I'm from, a, uh, I can't watch the game. I can't do it. I can't watch it. We got a uh, we got a three point play potentially here. I got to, you know, I'll tell you one thing, Chris. Your dad is probably he's probably got the oxygen right at the uh, right at the side. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Just waiting. Uh, I I know how bad it was uh, on Thursday night, where he ended he ended up uh, calling in late to the uh, Survivor podcast because of uh, Arkansas Arkansas being neck and neck with uh, with Gonzaga. Um, and even he said that you know heading heading into tonight's game, he was he was uh, getting the sweats and everything. Uh, literally just waiting for the game to start. He ain't lying about that. I about died that night they beat Gonzaga because I, I damn near finished the whole 
club pack of beer watching that damn game. I was so worried about that shit. Oh man, I, you know, I'll t- I'll tell you, I pro- I probably would be the same way if I had a. Like for example, if it was if it was the Boston Red Sox uh, in another World Series, I would probably be that be that same way, uh, or hell, even no. A better example would be if the Patriots ever made the Super Bowl again, considering yeah. it's a one and uh, you know it's uh, you don't get multiple games. It's either you win you win in advance or you lose and go home. Right. Uh, yeah, I would probably be the same way. Like if the Patriots made another Super Bowl, and I mean, quite frankly, I'm literally I, I was literally that that exact way every single time that Brady made the Super Bowl because I know whenever the Patriots make a Super Bowl, they're they always start out slow and they make you bite your nails, you know, waiting to see. Okay, are we going? You know, are we going to? Uh, are we going to give up like a huge play or something that's going to just completely uh, turn the momentum against us for the rest of the game? Or, you know, it's, I would say out of all of the, out of all of the championships that Boston has won, it's always been the Super Bowls that have been the most nail biting. Especially when he said about earlier, when they were down 28 to three in the third, that was crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. When it was, tw- uh, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. When it was 28 to three, I almost damn near shut off the game. But I remember uh-huh. it's Brady. I remembered it's Brady. Anything can happen. You know, Brady. They they don't they don't they don't uh, describe Brady as you don't want to have him with enough time left in the game. Uh, no. You know, uh-uh. they don't say that for they don't say that for no reason. So, literally, I mean, we saw we saw it again this year with uh, with Tampa Bay and the Rams when it looked like the Rams were were gonna eliminate Tampa Bay with literally no fight whatsoever. But Brady ended up bringing Tampa Bay back and. Only for the Rams to, uh, or for for Tampa Bay's defense to completely forget how to defend a, uh, how to defend a route and leaving uh, Cooper Cup wide open for the touchdown. But other than that, you know, it's Brady. Brady's one of those guys where literally, <laughs> if there was, you cannot bet against Brady. And I still, I still say this. I still believe he should have won MVP this year, not Aaron Rodgers. I don't care how popular Aaron Rodgers is with uh, with NFL fans. Brady had the superior numbers, but still, you know, uh, you know, I, I I said that the one thing Arkansas would have to do. Lead, uh, heading into this game is so, some of the games that that I saw that we've seen earlier in this tournament. They were making such unnecessary shot attempts to where it was like there's you know there's no way that shot's going to go in. And yeah. you know we're, we we kind of have seen that so far tonight where 
some of the attempts, some of the attempts, it's been like they've been forcing the shots as opposed to as opposed to ball movement. I mean, hell, we've seen it with uh, we've seen it with the Celtics yeah. this year. You know, the the, the Celtics when they started off uh, when they started off so slow, uh, they were basically forcing shots, and now all of a sudden that they've moved to a more ball movement style game. You know, they've basically been one of the hottest teams in the NBA ever since. So it's I, – I just I just kind of feel the, when I've been – the way I, I've been watching this game tonight, you know, Arkansas really has just been forcing some of these attempts that, you know, there's other avenues that they could, that they could end up taking. Doesn't look good right now. Uh, Duke with a nine-point lead uh, as they head to commercial here, fifty-seven to forty. Wait, yeah, fi- yeah, fifty-seven to forty-eight. But I will say, you know, JD Note is kind of showing up. I mean, fifty percent from the field. Uh, he hasn't attempted a three-pointer though uh, since like early on in the first uh, in the first half and pretty much this uh, this uh this game has been the Jalen Williams and JD Note show for for our yeah. so far we'll see there's still you know there's still some, there's still some time left um but go, you know, going uh, while we have, while we have the opportunity here, uh, going around the scoreboards uh, for the leagues, we do have uh, some finals in the NBA. The San Antonio Spurs they are continuing to make the Western Conference a bit interesting uh, when it comes to the yes. play-in tournament chase. Uh, the Spurs mm-hmm. they beat the Pelic- they beat the Pelicans one hundred seven to one hundred three. Uh, the Sacramento Kings, despite having no DeMontis Sabonis or De'Aaron Fox, they beat the Magic 114-110. to uh, Games that are currently in progress uh, with about 426 left in the fourth quarter, the Raptors are blowing out the Pacers 117-86. The Bulls... Uh, the Bulls over the Cavaliers, 91-83, to with about a minute 47 left. Uh, this one just went final. The Brooklyn Nets with a 110-92 to victory over the Miami Heat. So the right. the uh, the race the race for the uh, for the top of the Eastern Conference just got a little bit tighter. And uh, let's see. I want to play. I want to play a little let's, extra. That that was Kyrie's first home game of the year. Oh yeah, because they officially they officially lifted uh, the yes. mask mandate or the uh, vaccination uh, thing. Correct. So, okay, they haven't updated this yet, but that is Miami's fourth straight loss, which basically that puts Philadelphia and Milwaukee in a tie for first place, and it puts Boston Ew. a half game. It puts Boston a half game out of first place with that with that loss by Miami. 
So that Eastern Conference, the top four seeds, it, it's starting to get very, very interesting right now. Yeah, too close for comfort for me. <laughs> Uh, we also have the Memphis Grizzlies blowing out the Milwaukee Bucks, 126 to 102. The Ja Morant show continues out there in Memphis. Uh, Memphis has already, of course, locked up a playoff spot, so uh, they are officially in. Uh, with this being their 52nd win of the season, 52 and 23. Uh, they have no shot of uh, of overtaking Phoenix, though, with about less than nine games left. Um, and they are currently nine games – well, wait a minute. This would be eight and a half games now. But uh, I believe they're out of the running for the, for the number one seed in the Western Conference. That belongs to Phoenix. Uh, let's see. Uh, with about eight sixteen left in the third, the Denver Nuggets with a slim five point lead over the Oklahoma City Thunder, sixty five to sixty, and we have the Portland Trail Blazers with a three point lead over the Houston Rockets, twenty three twenty, with about two twenty six to go in the first. Uh, over to the NHL, we have uh, a lot of finals from earlier today. The Boston Bruins with a 6-3 to three victory over the New York Islanders. We have the Tampa Bay Lightning 2-1 to one, uh, final in overtime of the victory for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, the Golden Knights with a 5-4 to four victory over the Chicago Blackhawks in overtime. The Montreal Canadiens, they are pushing the Toronto Maple Leafs close to being eliminated from playoff contention with a 4-2 to two victory over the Maple Leafs. Uh, the Florida Panthers, 4-3 to three in a shootout over the Ottawa Senators. The Washington Capitals, 4-3 to three over the New Jersey Devils. And the Vancouver Canucks with a 4-1 to one victory over the Dallas Stars. Games yes, that are currently right in now. progress. Uh, Games that are currently in progress, the Carolina Hurricanes 6-2 to two lead over the St. Louis Blues with about four minutes to go in the final period of regulation. The Columbus Blue Jackets with a 2-1 to one victory, or a 2-1 to one lead, I should say, over the uh, Minnesota Wild with about five to go in the final period. And the Oilers and Flames are both tied at one apiece with about nine minutes to go in the first period. All right, let me see. Uh, Tim, you have about 30 minutes to go until uh, we officially go into the overtime. So you have about actually a little less than a little less than 30 minutes to call in before you, uh, before uh, we officially go into the overtime, and that goes for everybody else. Uh, if you want to call in uh, before we head into the overtime uh, hour, you can call in 657-383-1308. Um, also, a programming uh, reminder for Survivor fans, we will be back uh, next Thursday night for uh, the Survivor 42 recap show hosted by Jim Early. Uh, without his help, none of these podcasts would be possible. Um, Thanks, boss. 
let's and who and who knows uh maybe perhaps the boss might call in tonight potentially uh oh. depending on depend depending on uh if he can get in before the uh before the cutoff mark at a at the top of the hour here right um now one of the one of the stories I will say for the NFL that uh was kind of surprising to me considering how this marriage ended uh was the New England Patriots agreed to a 2-year deal with Malcolm Butler who is coming out of retirement uh for, he he had previously played for the Arizona Cardinals uh he he's now coming out of retirement and uh he has officially agreed to a 2-year deal worth up to 9 million dollars and Actually, he would probably be their second cornerback, I think, because I think Jonathan Jones is – actually, no, maybe he might be the third. I don't know who would be the top cornerback in the Patriots' defense now with, with Jonathan Jones and Jalen Mills. I would say probably Jones, but uh, Butler, uh, he adds to that group, and hopefully with the year off that he had uh, due to retirement – uh, due to personal reasons, maybe perhaps he might uh, he might have a little bit of energy uh, back in those legs compared to uh, compared to when he originally uh, originally retired due to personal reasons. And also for fans who were wondering if there's anything going on between Tom Brady and the Dolphins, according to the Athletics, Jeff Howe. There is nothing happening involving that uh, involving that scenario. Uh, apparently, apparently, there's been rumors going around that Brady is trying to angle for a trade to Miami, considering that my uh, Miami's going all in on a Super Bowl run, and reportedly they had tried to uh, they had tried to entice him to come to Miami before he. Uh, before he ended up going to Tampa Bay when he left New England, uh, that that came as obviously part of the uh, findings of the original report involving Brian Flores uh, with him suing the league. And among among the people he was suing, he was also suing the Miami Dolphins uh, owner, uh, Stephen Ross. And somehow Brady ended up uh, ended up being brought into the uh, into the whole thing as the Dolphins owner supposedly had tried to coerce uh, Brian Flores into bringing in Tom Brady as part of the uh, you know part part of the of the package so to speak. But. According to Jeff Howe of The Athletic, uh, there is nothing going on there. And as a matter of fact, uh, Buccaneers general manager Jason Jason Litch has said recently that Brady could play for Tampa beyond the 2022 season. Although I do find it interesting that Rob Gronkowski hasn't officially re-signed yet. Because... You would think if Brady was going to come back officially and play, 
that he would want his favorite tight end with him, that being Gronkowski. But, you know, that's the one thing I do kind of find interesting about uh, about this whole situation is the fact that Gronk hasn't officially come back yet. So it kind of makes me wonder – is there actually something to those rumors? Because, mm-hmm. can be. I mean, it does seem it does seem kind of odd, and also the fact that uh, there was reported tension between Brady and Bruce Arians. Well, actually, no, there was reported right. tension between uh, between not just Brady and Arians, but also the fact that Arians wanted to basically take over the offensive playing calls from Byron Leftwich, their offensive coordinator. And that led to a whole bunch of uh a whole bunch of Tampa Bay game plans uh being basically screwed over because of the fact that Arians got a big head and decided that he wanted to he wanted to uh take over all facets of the game. Uh-oh. Yeah, this this doesn't look good. Duke is Game getting shot off. Six, 69, 69 to 54. They've opened up a 15-point lead now and another turnover by Arkansas. Mm. And I'm, t- you know, I'm t- running out of gas. Well, I mean, I'm 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 telling you, you know, maybe this Duke team just is a team of destiny after all. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, that's what they've been. That's what that's what they've been. Uh, what they've been classifying them as 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 a team of destiny this entire time. Yeah. You don't mess with destiny. And it, you know, with that, with it being Coach K's last season too, I mean, what more, what more of a better ending would there be than for him to leave with a uh, storybook NCAA title? But you know, it's it, it is it is pretty impressive to go for uh, for Arkansas. With the with the turnaround that they've had under under uh, Coach Musselman, for them to go to uh, two straight elite eights, after, uh, I think the, I think the previous season they were bounced at was it was it sixteen or was it thirty two I think that they were uh, previously bounced at before uh, not last year but um, wait twenty twenty did did we have March Madness in twenty twenty or was that canceled due to COVID? No. That was canceled to COVID. That was canceled okay, due to COVID. So, so it was so it was the twenty uh the twenty nineteen March Madness, I think, that Arkansas yeah. had a had an early exit. Um but I you know, they're content, they're they're continuing to build that uh to build that basketball program uh back up to where they to where they were at one point. So 
you know, it's. I know they were looking at, uh, according to according to Jim, they were looking at uh, Texas Tech's uh, head coach originally before they brought in Musselman. So, uh, you know, the fact the fact that Musselman has been able to build uh, a culture around around uh, this team so far uh, in the time that he's been here, and he has probably one of the one of the top. Uh, recruitment classes, I believe, as well, uh, moving forward. So, uh, you know, the future, uh, the future is is looking bright for Arkansas, despite the position that yeah. they find themselves in right now tonight. Exactly. And as as your dad just said in whispers right now, Chris uh, Duke figured it out. Don't go for threes. Go for twos. Yes, and I mean it's 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 just, it's just unfortunate now, but uh, and it doesn't it doesn't help that they got they got Tony and Note both in foul trouble uh, this late in the game as well. So wow, fifty yeah, fifty seven percent shooting for for Duke. It's this is unbelievable right now. 44 points in the paint compared to 26 for Arkansas. All right, um let's see. Well, we do have uh, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they officially re-signed Jameis Winston to a two-year, $28 million deal. Uh, Winston's deal includes $21 million of it being guaranteed. And he ended up, of course, tearing his ACL in week eight. Uh, he was actually pl- uh, playing impressively efficient in in this past season before he ended up tearing his ACL. And obviously though, we don't know what type of quarterback he's going to be upon his return. So uh, his accuracy ended up ranking between Baker Mayfield and Andy Dalton though. So it sounds like his play could potentially slip for the saints this upcoming season. So, that's honestly that's probably something I would be worried about if I was a Saints fan because yeah you know you're it's it's just it, it just goes to show you that there's that not it it wasn't really uh it wasn't really a good a good quarterback market out there on the uh on the uh free agent market this year. Oh boy. Yeah, it uh, this this doesn't look good at all. Seven to pull away. Seventy two seventy two to fifty four. Um Yeah, this this doesn't look good for Arkansas. But uh, 
anyways, uh, before before you end up leaving, Chris, I I know you just you just messaged me. Uh, um, we want to thank we want to thank you for joining us tonight. Um, you know, it's the first time we've been able to have you on the uh, we've been able to have you on the show. Uh, so we hope that you'll be able to join us uh, again potentially uh whenever whenever you get the opportunity to um next week we won't have a show because i'll be uh well let's just put it this way uh my mind will not be on earth i'll put it that way i will be somewhere in drunkville uh by this time next week so uh yeah it will uh we will be back though um, for what is next week's show? Next week's is the second, so we will be back for the ninth. Uh, so, uh, you know, feel for, feel free, Chris. I, I know you got I know you got to leave soon, but feel free, Chris, uh, to join us uh, anytime anytime that you want. You know, the the number is the same, so six five seven three eight three one three zero eight and yeah, it's been it's been a blast uh, getting the chat with you tonight. Yeah, thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate it. All right, uh, let's see. Yeah, and uh, actually, Alexis, as as you just uh, as you just messaged me now, yeah, uh, I I'm not going to be in Drunksville watching WrestleMania. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to. I'm gonna to have to watch it on demand the very next day, uh, even though it is a two night uh, spectacle uh, this year. Um, I'm actually going to be at a uh, Revolution game uh, at Gillette Stadium, right. so I will be. Uh, yeah, let's just say I'll be pounding the beers, and chances are, Win I or may lose. have to get. Ca- I may have to get well, yeah, because they're gonna have a uh, they're gonna have some sort of the the people I'm going with they're gonna have a tailgate afterwards. So chances yeah. are I may have to actually I may I may actually have to get carried to the car. Um, so oh dear, yeah. Needless to say, although te- technically they're bringing an RV, so right, I mean I, like I guess I could just I guess I could just pass out in the RV, but. Uh, it's, it's going to be quite the, uh, it's going to be quite the Saturday for me, uh, for me next Saturday. I'll Mm -hmm. tell you that much. Um, but yeah, like I, like I said, uh, sports whispers weekly, uh, we will not have a show next week, but we will be back on the ninth. So, um, the only podcast for this upcoming week will be the Survivor 42 recap show uh, hosted by the boss, Jim Early. Uh, without his help, none of these podcasts would be possible to bring to you. Uh, we do have one. Oh, you know what? I should probably bring this up because Major League Baseball, they apparently have made several proposals uh, to the players' union over the past week, uh, that provided an emphasis on presenting uh, on preventing sign stealing, mm-hmm. and apparently, apparently, some of these proposals include prohibiting batters from reviewing scouting cards, 
uh, or other information during at-bats. Uh, it also involves eliminating printing information during games and also permitting pitchers and catchers to use wireless pitch comm devices on a voluntary basis. Now, of course, these are just proposals, but uh, these would actually be these would actually provide a pretty significant impact if these end up getting adopted in the future. Because when you think about it, uh, the pitch com stuff, which I guess is actually kind of being experimented right now with the minors, um, where basically what ends up happening is the catcher presses a button and it relays to the pitcher what pitch they want the pitcher to throw. Like, say, the first button is for fastball, second button is for change-up, and so on and so forth. And it will actually tell the pitcher in a wireless headset, like it'll uh, in a wireless Bluetooth, like it'll say, a voice will come over the Bluetooth saying change-up or fastball. And that this supposedly is to prevent players from, or teams from being able to steal signs, which to me, I think it's kind of good for, it's kind of a potential good idea for the sport because, you know, we had the whole, uh, the whole thing with uh, Houston with the whole sign stealing scandal there and apparently, uh, as of this week, it was revealed that, um, according to a ruling by the Supreme Court, uh, the M- Major League Baseball must unseal a document involving sign stealing regarding the New York Yankees that Major League Baseball has been trying to keep sealed. So now that is a huge thing that is uh, – that has come up here and you know who knows what we what will end up uh what we'll end up seeing here uh come as a result of this but uh i mean let's start with you Lou what are your thoughts on major league baseball uh potentially being able to prevent sign stealing with this new yeah. idea Try as it may, but, you know, I mean, science stealing isn't really anything new. And I think they're going to, you know, it's a good effort, but I still think maybe teams are going to try and find a way to come up with it anyhow. I don't think you're going to be able to totally, pre- totally prevent it. And, you know, I remember saying, you know, this may be a chance to show the proof. Okay, well, why don't you just show us the proof first before you go on, you know, re- re- releasing it uh, to the public, you know. Try to try to do yeah, that first but, before you before you before you accuse us. Yeah, but you you know that uh, well actually it's it's more of a case of the fact that Major League Baseball is trying to cover up. Uh, yes, you know for the Yankees that they're trying to cover up for the Yankees. They're trying to protect the Yankees basically, and it's more like the fact that. They're now, uh, you know, the the league has now basically been ordered to unseal those documents instead. When yet the league has been trying to keep them sealed. 
Yeah, of course, so, it's been going on for quite some time now. Yeah, I don't know what they're playing, but I mean, we, 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 you know, we actually lost that game. You know, Houston actually won it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Houston did end up winning it, but it was, you know, there, there's, there's just this. Uh, I guess it's unfinished business, basically. That. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, and there we go. That ends it for Arkansas. Uh, J.D. Note just fouled out with 14 points. Um, his fifth his fifth foul of the game that officially puts him out. Uh, let's see. According to Bob Nightingale, uh, the Red Sox have have agreed to terms with free agent shortstop Trevor Story to a six year, hundred and forty million dollar deal. Now, here's the thing. Trevor Story will actually be playing as a second baseman with the Red Sox, with Xander Bogarts already being at shortstop. Uh, Story hit 251 last year with 24 homers, 75 RBIs, and 20 stolen bases over 142 games last season with the Rockies. Uh, the contract does also include a complicated opt-out where the Red Sox may retain an option to keep Story at different terms by adding a seventh year. Uh, and this will be a massive upgrade for the Boston lineup, which now uh, sports an impressive infield of Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, Trevor Story, and Bobby Dalbeck. And by the way, Lou, it sounds like it came down to Boston and New York as the finalists for this, uh, mm. uh, for Trevor Story. And, and uh, Trevor Story was reportedly convinced by former Red Sox Will Middlebrooks to ultimately sign with the Red Sox after being told of what the culture was like uh, in not, not just in the locker room, but also in the city of Boston. And apparently that convinced story to, uh, to ultimately end up signing. But uh, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this deal, Lou? Because it gets kind of interesting with Xander Bogarts is coming up for a contract extension, but Story doesn't have the arm to be a shortstop anymore. He's kind of lost no. the uh, he's kind of lost the arm strength recently uh, to be an effective shortstop. So now comes the possibility. Now comes the possibility that we may have Trevor Story be the new starting uh, new starting shortstop after this season. Uh, for the Red Sox, if the if the Red Sox decide to let Xander Bogarts walk next off season, so what are your thoughts on this uh, on this deal with the Red Sox agreeing to a six year, potentially seven year deal with Trevor Story? Well, I don't see what it's going to do if he doesn't have the arm anymore. I mean, you know, he had a good solid arm, you know, uh, even not that long ago, and now he's uh, losing a step. So I don't see how it's going to uh, help the Red Sox. I mean, because they need someone with a good pitcher with a good arm. So that might, you know, you just might be uh, putting him in there just to put him in there. Uh, that's that's not a very smart move. 
I mean, he was a great pitcher. He was great for the Rockies. So, you know, now he's now he's going to be moving over. I think we're seeing that you know uh, already he's reaching his peak. Yeah, you know the and the thing is he still has enough arm strength for a second baseman. Well, he still has enough arm. I understand the move to second base because I mean obviously you got Xander Bogarts at shortstop. You don't need another shortstop. So I understand the move to second base. My wonder is maybe perhaps they may go with Story short term at shortstop with Marcelo Meyer being in the minors, depending on how well Meyer progresses. And they also have Jeter Downs as well, potentially, who could make his way up. Uh, I do almost wonder if this may be a permanent second base signing, if Story may permanently move to second base. Because... Otherwise, it doesn't make sense for the Red Sox to agree to such a long-term deal. No, especially if he's past his prime. Yeah. Well, I want to say he's past his prime, but it's more it's more along the lines of, you know, it's he's been damaged basically due to multiple injuries that he's yeah. sustained over the years. I mean, he could still be a pretty effective second baseman, but as far as a shortstop goes, you know, he just—he doesn't have the arm strength that he had at the beginning of his career. Not at all. Not at all. And it looks like this is about to go final. Arkansas will drop to Duke. They will drop to Duke 78-69 to with about 10 seconds left to go in the game. That's quite a run for, for yeah. Arkansas, the, the run that they had this, uh, this tournament. But, I mean, Duke is just, well, Duke is Duke. You know, not really anything more you can say. Nope. And the you know they had the chance to retire a legend tonight, and it just didn't happen. Yep, I'm still here, guys. So, I mean, we I mean we consider uh, that you K. know he didn't win that you know Duke did not win the conference tournament or his last home game. You might have thought maybe this would have been an early exit. Uh, maybe Possibly. he was going to, but then again. This is Duke, and like uh, I guess Coach is saying, I'm not going down very quietly, and he sure has it. Yeah, let me br- let me bring in uh, Tim Gross. Tim is joining us on the line here. Uh, Tim, you right. just saw, you just uh, watched this uh, this game. I, what, what did you what did you think of uh, Arkansas of Arkansas tonight against Duke? Uh, well. They gave it their best, and it just wasn't enough. Right. And you know, you know, how, how about this? You know, not not just uh, some of the stuff that we've seen in this uh, in in March Madness this year. I mean, this has to be probably one of the wildest March March Madness brackets that we've seen in recent memory, hasn't it? 
Yeah, and I thought yeah. last year's was crazy. Yeah, you thought last year's was crazy, but yet you take a look at this year. This year we get we get Gonzaga dropping in the Sweet 16. We got uh, high seeds like UConn, Alabama, Kentucky, uh, Colorado Baylor. State, Baylor, uh, oh, you know, State wasn't that Iowa. They were a six. Iowa, uh, USC, well, USC was seventh, actually. Uh, but you have all of these big dropping early in the tournament this year. And th- this was basically the tournament of upsets. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it's not very uncommon for 12s to 5s. So, like, anything above, like, a Anything above a five seed losing is honestly honestly a bit of a surprise. Especially if you're especially, especially if you're a team like like Kentucky. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I, I could not have laughed harder when Kentucky lost to <laughs> Peters. Like, you know what I'm I asked this. Qu- like it's easy. Go ahead. It's. Very easy to see why John Ke- why uh, Temple legend John Cheney once said he wanted to kill John Calipari. It's easy to see that. Yeah, you know it's it's funny you bring up John Calipari because uh, when Chris, when Chris was on here earlier, um, I brought up the uh, I brought up this question. You know. Uh, when it comes to when it comes to Calipari and Kentucky, could this early exit have potentially started the beginning of the end for Calipari in uh, in Kentucky? Possibly, but I think he'll get a couple more years. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's it, it really seems like. Especially, especially with some of the some of the Kentucky uh, players leaving through the transfer portal, uh, either today or yesterday, you know, there's. It seems like the magic is kind of is kind of wearing off. Uh, finally, in Kentucky, what magic was there? I mean, has Cal Perry even led yeah. them to a championship? Maybe one. Uh. I don't know if necessarily leading them to a championship, but he's no. He won. He I won the last time they even made that 20, deep of a run. He won it in twenty twelve. Yeah, and that was ten years ago at this point. Yeah, but uh, you know, it's. I think it's the it's the fact that you know so many big name players have come out of Kentucky. Under Calipari, yes. Well, yeah. I think even without Calipari, they would have gone there because it's Kentucky. True. Kentucky is one of the biggest basketball factories in America. They are. I mean, you take. I mean, you take a look at Kentucky last year. They went nine and sixteen in a shortened season. Uh, This year, they went twenty six and eight, fourteen fourteen and four. Uh, in the conference, uh, they finished. They ended up finishing tied for second in the uh, in the conference in their conference. 
And this is actually the first time under Calipari that Kentucky has lost in the first round of the uh, of the March Madness tournament. Of course, there was one time. And he lost to St. Peter's also, of all teams. Yeah, they lost to St. Peter's exactly, of all teams. I mean, a team that a team whose Twitter account wasn't even verified before the before they beat Kentucky. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what you know, what basically St. Peter's is this year's version of Loyola Chicago, except the difference is. Loyola Chicago didn't make it to the to the uh, elite eight. I believe they ended at at sixteen, didn't they? I think oh, they might have made it to the elite eight. I'll have to look. I th- I think it was it was last year or the or or the year before COVID. I think I forget which which one it was, but they twenty eighteen uh, they made the final four. Yeah. Um, and oh. then last year they did make it to 16. You're right about that. I was, think, I was oh, probably okay. thinking about the 2018. I was probably thinking about their 2018 run. So we do we do officially have uh, coming off of this game. We do have the all tournament team announced for the NCAA West Regional. Uh, JD Note and Jalen Williams represent Arkansas, and Jeremy Roach, Mark Williams, and Paolo Banchero represent Duke and uh Bonchero was named the most outstanding player of the West region. This one was uh this one was just officially uh announced by uh Mark Spears of uh ESPN. And actually this is this is Coach K's what, thirteenth final four? I think. Yes. And correct me if I'm wrong, Lou, but that's a new record, I believe. That is a new record, yes. Wow. Just you know, really the only thing to top the only thing to top off a legendary season or a legendary career is a a championship. Championship. Yeah. But next stop it's is possible. New Orleans for the next stop is is New Orleans now for Duke and you know I who cannot root for Duke in the uh, right. out of all the teams remaining I'm kind of rooting for St. Peter's yeah but but come on Tim do you I know they, they get to by a shot but. Uh... I know they don't have a shot in hell, but uh, I'm still ready for them. Right. Well, they've come this far. I mean, e- even if they even if they somehow manage to get by, uh, oh, there, oh, there's no way. There's absolutely zero chance they beat Duke. None. Yeah, yeah. No. There's even if they somehow get by UNC, they have to face Duke in the Final Four. I'm sorry. That's yeah. That's that's that 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 not prayer. That's not prayer. No, yeah. no. It's like then again, we like said the if, same thing about Kentucky, though. We said the same thing about yeah. Kentucky. Mm-hmm. We, we did. did. You know, and you know, look what happened there. So, 
Exactly. But uh, I got to say this, um, Villanova, they are going to get absolutely destroyed by Kansas once Kansas beats Miami tomorrow. Um, Most likely. Villanova, I, I mean, like Lou said, the, it's the lowest percent, the lowest shooting percentage in NCAA history, 29%. Oof, that is brutal. Or, or wait, that, that, that almost sounds... It almost sounds like temple wait, shooting it, percentage these days. What was it? Was it lowest or second lowest, Lou? I believe was the. Uh, I believe DSU had the second lowest, so I believe this. This was the lowest. This would tie a very slight margin. Okay. The, oh, okay. All right. So yeah, I mean, I I, I don't understand how they could have shot twenty nine percent from the field and somehow beat Houston. With such yeah. a low score, fifty to forty-four today, I I still don't understand it. Aliens, but, that's all. Aliens, aliens, exactly. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow we got. It's like the um, meme. Yeah, we tomorrow we got North Carolina and St. Peter's, and we got Kansas and Miami. I think Kansas and Miami is the first of the two. I think they go at two, and. I think North Carolina and St. Peter's is at six. I might be wrong. Well, let me look this up. But 220 for Miami, CBS. Kansas. 505 for St. Peter's, North Carolina. Oh, okay, 505. Okay, so I was I was off by an hour. Still close. <laughs> Could have been worse. Could have been worse. Could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Oh, um... By the way, Tim, get ready for a mess. Uh, Herman won veto in Big Brother Canada. Uh, yeah, I saw, I, trust me, I saw that. <laughs> it's already yeah. a big enough mess. Uh, I'm not on this afternoon. <laughs> what was that, Alexis? Uh, see, I'm, I'm here for the mess because Big Brother U.S. doesn't do this crap. The mess yeah. me that Herman won veto just a little earlier. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I literally yeah. just I literally just saw it checking uh, checking Twitter just now. Yeah, that it's um, every week a, veto, a nominee has one veto, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, let's see some of the other uh, bits of news out of Major League Baseball. Uh, the Dodgers they have agreed to a three year extension with manager Dave Roberts, uh, who yes. by the way has guaranteed. By the way, he has guaranteed a World Series victory this year. So, if the Dodgers I don't win the World the Series, we'll win see. It after that. We'll see. I guarantee. I guarantee the Dodgers won't if, win it after that. Yeah, if the Dodgers don't win the World Series, uh, I think we may be seeing Dave Roberts get the axe. Uh, I don't think he'll get the well, axe, but uh, but he'll look like a complete dumbass. I mean, how embarrassing would that be? You know, right. basically right. guaranteeing guaranteeing a world a championship win before the season even starts, and then who knows? Maybe they get eliminated in the in the second round. Yeah, again I mean, Joe Namath Joe kind of walked into it. When you... Yeah, but uh, this uh, had this to... extension will keep him. What? Go ahead. If I had to pick a World Series champion right now, it it'd probably be 
either the uh, repeat of the Braves or no, it's I going that. to be. Now without Freddie oh, Freeman. Matt, Matt Olsen is really, trust me, Matt Olsen is good. He's not Freddie Freeman good, but he's still good. Um, And then my other pick would probably at this point be either Toronto or Chicago White Sox. I don't know which is two. Toronto, believe it or not, Toronto is building a juggernaut right now. Yeah. With that that group. So I would not be stunned at all if we see, if we see Toronto make a huge run this, uh, this year, Chicago, I mean, Chicago still has to, Chicago still has to get rid of, uh, they're planning on on trading away Craig Kimbrell, so yeah, yeah. I mean, they already they have uh, they have a terrifying bullpen right now, but you get rid of Kimbrell and it kind of tunes it down a little bit, a little bit. So yeah, I don't know about Chicago as of yet. Um, yeah. And I would I would not count out the Tampa Bay Rays either. Uh, I'm sorry with with Kluber getting like, I don't shelled think... like he did in, in with with Kluber getting shelled like he did today in spring, and he's supposed to be their ace. Here's the thing. Yeah, here's the thing though. It's spring training. You can't really take much of it too serious. No. Well, maybe, but, you know, I think the thing with Tampa Bay, it's going to have to come down to uh, the health of uh, their star pitcher, um, who ended up, I I believe he he ended up going down for the rest of the year last year, I think it was. Oh, crap. What's his, hang on, what's his name? Um. My bold prediction McCl- for this year oh, is that Seattle is going to win the AL West. Uh, you know what? I could maybe see that, possibly. Because the Astros realistically have gotten worse this offseason when they lost Correa. And uh, I don't even really know who the hell they have on their pitching staff besides, besides old man Verlander. Right. Um, oh, by the, Rangers, by the way, it was it was Tyler Glass now, and Glass now is uh, oh, yeah. he's expected he's expected to miss the entire season due to still recovering from Tommy John surgery. So uh, they will not have their race for the entire year. Yeah. The, the other thing about the AOS is yeah, the uh, Rangers signed um, Semyon and Corey Seager, but like, where's their pitching staff? Exactly, and the rest of, and the rest of their team. You can you can spend you can spend all of the money that you want on 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 uh, players. It doesn't mean that you know you're not gonna. It, it doesn't mean that you're immediately gonna turn things around. Exactly. Just ask the Mets and the Phillies. Yes. Although I will say the Phillies are more ahead of the Mets. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I would, I would argue acqu- that our, 
Yeah. You our take offense a look at some of the acquisitions that the Phillies have made this year. You take a look at some of the acquisitions the Phillies made this year. They got Kyle Schwarber. They got uh, what's his Castellanos. name? Castellanos. Yeah. I mean, granted, they didn't really add any pitching or defense. But or defense. defense is going to be I a guess. big issue. I mean, you take a look at the Mets. Okay, yeah, you have Jake DeGrom, you have Max Scherzer, but we saw what happened with Max Scherzer near the end of last year where uh, he basically got a dead arm for the enti- through the entire playoffs, the entire time yeah. that he was in the playoffs. So That contract is going to go bad after year one. Yeah, it kind, it kind of makes you wonder if maybe perhaps he may not even make it through the entire year. I'm not sure. If will, my mind. There's a lot of mileage fact, on that arm. Yeah, there is. Despite the fact that, you know, he basically made it all the way. Uh, he made it all the way through the season, and then all of a sudden, once the playoffs hit, it was his arm completely disappeared. I, I will say, I think, sure. I think the Phillies could struggle a little bit because Zach Wheeler is a – probably is a little iffy for the first week of the season because he's a little behind schedule. Um, and Ranger Suarez, Ranger Suarez, I'm hoping, wasn't just a flash in a pan last year because, holy shit, that guy was good. Um, and my, my main concern, because if Ranger Suarez does what he did last year and Aaron Nola can rebound, then the Phillies have a pretty good pitching staff. Yeah. Oh. Ooh, Tim, Tim, don't look now, but your Philadelphia 76ers are on top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, oh, snap. By percentage points. Yes, well, I saw. Yeah, it figures Battle. they haven't lo- It figures the one g- game I went to was the last one they lost at this point. To the Raptors, of all teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and that, let me tell you, that game was super painful to watch because no one can make a shot. Gee, that reminds me. That reminds me of some of some James Harden teams of the past uh, with James Harden oh, on the team. Yeah, I'm going to be honest though. I think Embiid and Harden both looked tired that game. Yeah. But, yeah, because they, they had just played two days before, for one thing. I mean, we're taking a look at the at the conference standings right now. You got Philly at one, you got Miami at two, but that's mainly because they only percentage points. Like literally, they're separated. They're separated by three percentage points. That's it. Uh, Boston yeah, that's has moved up like to the. Go ahead. Yeah, I think Philly's played two less games in, than Miami at this point. Uh, yeah, they have uh, forty-six and twenty-seven, and Miami is forty-seven and twenty-eight. So yeah, yeah two we'll be, games. We, uh, yeah, Celtics will be in first place after we lose to Phoenix in our next game. Uh, Celtics, they're in third at forty-six and twenty-eight. They're a half game behind. 
Uh, Milwaukee is also 46-28, and 28, a half game behind. But because Boston holds the season series over Milwaukee, uh, Boston takes the third seed right now with Milwaukee at four. And basically outside of the top four, uh, Chicago and Toronto, three and a half, four and a half. Then you got Cleveland, five and a half. And right now it pretty much looks like the play-in tournament is going to be Cleveland versus Atlanta. Or no, I'm sorry, Cleveland versus Brooklyn and Charlotte versus Atlanta. Yeah, and let me tell you, I would not want to play the Nets in the first round of the playoffs. Well, no, yeah. not with Kyrie and uh, – not with Kyrie and right. I wouldn't want to. Um, yeah. I mean, the way it looks right now, it looks like you're probably seeing Philly taking on the winner, uh, assuming Philly stays up top. Uh, you see Philly taking on the winner of Charlotte and Atlanta. Uh or actually, no, I think what they did was they did it last year where Philly or the top two seeds got to choose who who they face in the first round. Yeah. I believe that's how I it, guarantee how it you went. This, I guarantee you that Philly will not choose the Nets. Well, obviously. Obviously not. The best, the best part, the best part for me is the Celtics. Uh, they're not in a position to where they have to pick. So, <laughs> you know, you're probably uh, right they now. I'm looking at a Tor- I'm looking at a Toronto matchup, and Boston normally matches up really well recently against Toronto. So, yeah. That's looking like a like a pretty uh, a pretty interesting matchup for Boston round one, and it looks like it'll be Milwaukee Chicago in round one as well. That is if Chicago can get a fully healthy team. Oh wait a minute. Oh, okay. Never mind. I thought I, I was watching. I was watching a highlight of a backwards pass. I thought that was from the Duke game, but that was actually from Nikola Jokic. I was just looking like, what the hell is that pass? Where he literally passes it. He literally passes it backwards above his head, and he's he's automatically expecting that whoever he's passing it to is going to be right there. To catch it. Um, oh, it, it, it does say here. Uh, Musselman did say that he would be shocked if Duke isn't isn't uh, the national champions this year. Oh, I would be either in the in that second chance bracket thing. ESPN does. I picked Duke in that. Well, I had I had Duke in my second bracket for uh, for the whispers. I had I had either um, Gonzaga or Arizona. Rip. Yeah. Well, Lou, Lou and I both had Arizona or not Arizona. Both had Gonzaga. Uh, yeah. I believe. Let's see. Alexis had. Wait a minute. Alexis had Gonzaga and Houston, which 
the Houston bracket officially got put to rest today. Um, yep. With that lackluster, with that lackluster performance uh, by Houston on both sides, really. And I, yeah, and I have been officially ousted from the top uh, spot. That now belongs to ESPN fan. A whole bunch of numbers. Um, R.I.P. in peace. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's like I said earlier, Tim. I don't understand why. Even though Gonzaga was already eliminated, I was still at the top of the bracket. I was still at the top of the leaderboard standings. It shouldn't it, because it were, shouldn't because go you were still. Yeah, it's because you were still earning points. I know I it's guess. because of points, but I fe- I feel like it shouldn't be based off of points. It's based it should off be of based points. off. It it should it should be based off of who still has a team in the running. Yes. Now, obviously, well, I think there would be, have to I be think the should be based off. I think the standings should be based off of uh, how many points you have available. Possibly, yeah. Yes. Oh wait, that's not it, that's not how it's based off of now. No, it's no. How many? It's how many points you have, and then the tiebreaker is how many available. Oh, okay. Because I'm seeing max, and then I'm seeing total on the right. on the thing right so now. Max, so max is how many points total they can get if everybody they pick ends up winning. Oh, okay. Well, you know what, uh, Lou, I'll tell you one thing. This week we had uh, quite the quite quite the trade deadline for yeah. the NHL, and you know one of the one of the ones in particular. You know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start off with. Uh, hopefully, I I added it here. Um, Oh wait, no. We did talk about the Giroux, uh, the Giroux trade last week. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the trades that originally was supposed to go through was officially invalidated, and it's so weird because uh, it had to do with a with a no trade clause um, that was apparently old. Yeah. It said uh, Evgeny Dadanov was supposed to have been traded from Vegas to Anaheim in a deal that would have sent John Moore and Ryan Kessler over to, uh, or Kessler's contract over to Vegas. And instead, it says that the trade cannot be concluded because Dadanov's contract included a a limited no-trade clause, which has not been complied with. It's believed that Vegas will still look to trade Dadanoff, which means that he wouldn't be eligible to play for the rest of the season and the playoffs, though he is still playing right now. But here's the thing that's weird is the fact that <laughs> when they tried to trade him, apparently the NHL wasn't made aware or the player wasn't made aware of his trade list of the of the teams no. that 
you know, he he wasn't made aware that he needed to update his no trade list. And Vegas went off of the old no trade list thinking that it was the updated one. And that's why this trade has been invalidated. Because original because all the stuff that was supposed to happen, you know, all, all the uh the team he was supposed to go to apparently was originally on his no trade list. And he thought that he had sent in the updated one, but apparently Vegas had never received it. Or the league had never received it, I should say. Right. Uh, there were a couple of big moves, though, that were made at the deadline this year. Andrew Kopp, uh, he got traded to the New York Rangers from the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, the Rangers got a sixth-round pick from the Jets as well in the deal, while they sent Morgan Barron along with two conditional second-round picks and a fifth-round pick in 2023 to Winnipeg. Uh, according to the... According to the conditions, New York's second rounder this year can become a first round pick if the Rangers advance to the Eastern Conference final and if Cop plays in at least 50% of the playoff games, which the second part is likely to happen. The question is whether or not the Rangers advance to the Eastern Conference final. Uh, the conditions oh, have the other second. The conditional on the other second rounder is either St. Louis's pick in 2022 or New York's second round pick in 2023. That all depends on what they decide to go with on that part. Um, Pittsburgh, they acquired Ricard Raquel from Anaheim in exchange for Zach Aston Reese, uh, Dominic Simon, Pally Klang, and a 2022 second-round pick. In addition, Anaheim will retain 35% of Raquel's salary. Uh, Raquel has posted 16 goals and 28 points uh, through 51 games this season, but it looks like he is still sidelined due to an upper body injury. So uh, no word yet on whether or not he is uh, – whether or not he's set to come back at any point. Uh, Toronto, they acquired Mark Giordano and Colin Blackwell from the Seattle Kraken in exchange for two second-round picks in both 2022 and 2023, as well as a third-round pick in 2024. Uh, As part of the deal, the Kraken will also retain 50% of Giordano's contract. Uh, Giordano looks like he will slot along the top four uh, for the Maple Leafs. And he currently has six goals. He had six goals with 23 points uh, through 55 games at the time of the trade. Uh, As far as Blackwell goes, Blackwell had eight goals and 17 points in 39 games at the time of the trade. It looks like Giordano will be paired up with his former Calgary partner, TJ Brody, and Blackwell will probably slot in as a bottom six forward. Uh, 
for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, let's see. The Minnesota Wild, they picked up uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, former two-time Stanley Cup winner, uh, in a trade with the Chicago Blackhawks. And in exchange, the Blackhawks will get a conditional second-round pick, uh, and it will become a first-rounder if the Wild get to the Western Conference Final. And if Fleury wins four games over the first two rounds for the Minnesota Wild. And it also says that the Blackhawks will retain 50% of Fleury's contract as a result of this deal. Uh, Fleury was 19-21-5 with a 2.95 goals against average and a 90.8 save percentage for Chicago. Though those stats are probably that way because of the fact that Chicago, Chicago sucks so badly. And sure has less to do, and it has less to do with whether or not Marc Andre Fleury is the same goaltender that he was. Yeah, he's not the same as he once was. Now, what's kind of surprising to me, though, is this next move, uh, this next bit of information. The Boston Bruins they gave Jake DeBrusque a two-year extension worth about four million dollars for the next two seasons. Now, I find it weird because DeBrusque still wants to trade out of Boston. So, if you're still seeking a trade, why are you agreeing to an extension? Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I, that that just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. No, neither do I. I mean, maybe it's because it makes it, it'll make trading him easier because of the fact that teams will know that they're picking up a player that you know isn't just going to leave in free agency. That's the only thing that I'm thinking. Uh, let's see. Colorado, they acquired Arturi Lekkinen from the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for Justin Barron and a 2024 second-round pick. Uh, Lekkinen can become a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, so Colorado does have the first bit, uh, the first bid at trying to re-sign him once the off season comes, uh, he has 13 goals and 29 points uh, this year in 58 games for Colorado, or I mean for uh, Montreal. And also Ottawa, they acquired Travis Hamonic from Vancouver in exchange for a 2020, uh, a 2022 third round draft pick. Uh, so basically. The, it says the selection originally belonged to the Canucks and it was moved to Vegas in the Nate Schmidt trade. Uh, Vegas uh-huh. then sent that to the Senators uh, in the Nick Holden, Evgeny Dadanov trade. So now Ottawa is sending that pick back to Vancouver. So Vancouver basically gets its third round draft pick back. 
essentially. And the uh, the last bit of a, of a trade that is really worth anything for the most part, uh, San Jose, they acquired goaltender Capo Kakinen and a fifth-round pick this year from Minnesota in exchange for Jacob Middleton. Uh, Kakinen had a 12-8-3 record this season with a 2.87 goals against average and a, nine, a 91% save percentage in 25 games played. Uh, this basically marks the end, it seems, for James Reimer, who probably will be uh, shopped in the off season. Yes, from what it looks like. Uh, let's see some other bits of. Wait a minute. Hang on. Uh, Major League. Wait a minute. Why is Trying to figure out why. Oh, okay. Here we go. I can't believe I forgot about this. Um, <laughs> Andrew Miller has officially announced his retirement after 16 seasons in Major League Baseball. Uh, he, I mean, hell, among the teams that he played for, uh, just. Just taking a look. I believe, if I recall correctly, he's a former. He's a former Cardinal, a former Red Sox, Oriole. I mean, Jesus. Wait a minute. He's a, he started off as a Tiger. Then he went to Florida to become a Marlin. He went to Boston for three to four years. Uh, then he went to Baltimore. He went to New York for two years to become a Yankee. Uh, he was a Cleveland yeah. Indian for three years, and then he finished off his career uh, for three years with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, he was a two-time All-Star as a member of the Cleveland Indians, a World Series champion with the Boston Red Sox, and he was the ALCS MVP, actually, for the New York Yankees in 2016. Or, wait, no, wait, no. It was... Cleveland. It was the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, it was Cleveland in 2016. You know, it, it kind of confuses me because I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, and it says that he was with the Yankees from 2015 to 2016, but, yeah, he was with Cleveland from 2016 to 2018. Yeah, because he got traded mid-season. Right. Oh, okay. I thought he, I thought he, was, an, I thought he was an off-season acquisition. I didn't know that he nope. was traded mid-season. That's why but you would he say finishes, 2016 to 20 for Cleveland well, when he had 2015. It's still possible, well, see, though, if he's acquired, if he's acquired in the off season, it's still possible to be labeled as 2016. No, he, he would have been labeled as 2017. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong on that, but that's my thoughts. Huh. I'm gonna have to look. I'm gonna have to look that up then. Um, but he finishes his major league career with a 55 and 55 record out of the bullpen, uh, 4.03 mm-hmm. ERA. Jesus, this seems like a really low strikeout count, but 979 strikeouts and 63 saves. That is low. You can't really count on that. Count on a big strikeout number from a reliever. Yeah, but he was mainly he was mainly known as a long reliever, though. Which would still tip, 
typically be... I don't think he was um, long relief. I think he was more like middle relief or setup. Well, yeah, but I mean, so, part of so his he career, would only he was go a like yeah, but I I do I do recall there were some times where he was used in long relief for uh, periods of time. And and in, at the beginning of a career of his career, he was a starter, but he was a terrible starter. True. Um. Let's see, some other bits of news. Uh, the Blue Jays, they did agree to a two-year deal with Matt Chapman. Um, a two-year extension, I should say. Uh, after they knew, just recently acquired him from, uh, at, from Oakland. You know, that's another thing, too, to keep an eye on, is the Oakland Athletics. Oh, sorry, the Oakland Athletics. Uh, they are potentially going to be moving on uh, from both Frankie Montes and uh, uh, Mainea. Or no, yeah. not, wait. Yeah, from Mainea or Montes. But, um, yeah. Here's the uh, thing I with Oakland the pitchers. It's buyer beware on them because of the ballpark they play in. It's an extreme, yeah, it's an extreme pitchers park with a lot of like ground for pitchers to do well, like like a lot of foul territory and things like that. So that's so it's buyer beware with those two. Oh, yeah. that reminds me about Trevor's story. Actually, um, I was looking at comparing the ballparks between uh, Coors Field and Fenway Park. A lot of the fly ball outs that he had at Coors Field would be homers in Fenway Park. So I think we're going to see Trevor Story's numbers go pretty up this year, uh, at least in Fenway Park. All right, uh, let's see. And yeah, also, the other thing also to uh, – go ahead. The only other thing I was forgetting uh, about the buyer beware with those two A's pitchers is that the ALS is is a particularly weak division, too. Because before this year, there weren't really any other good teams, any good teams in the division aside from Houston. Yeah, true. And even... Uh... I mean, Houston's pretty much going to run away with that division, anyways. I, I would, they no I, would disagree, I would, I would disagree with that. I think uh, Seattle's going to give them a run for their money again, like they did last year. Uh, maybe, but don't forget, Seattle doesn't have uh, doesn't have Seager anymore. Or not? So, That's wait, true. Was but Seager was at, was at yeah. the Seager was really at the end of his career last year. Like, like he has been steadily in kind of a decline. I think, like they'll miss his defense, but I think his bat is replaceable. And also, um, 
Also, they will the Mariners will be without Casey Sadler as he will he will be undergoing uh, season-ending shoulder surgery. He was a huge part of their bullpen last year. Um, he had the lowest ERA of any pitcher in baseball with at least 40 innings pitched last year as he posted a .67 ERA through 40 and a third innings out of the bullpen. That's an, that is a very unfortunate loss for Seattle. Yeah, that is um, a uh, that's a that's a pretty big loss for their lockdown bullpen. Yeah, and uh, they did make a big splash in free agency with uh, Robbie Ray. They did, but you know, a lot of people a lot of people think that Robbie Ray is actually on the decline right now. That's entirely possible. Um, but they also have a couple of good-looking up-and-coming prospects uh, like Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kelnick, and Logan Gilbert. True. True. Logan Gilbert actually didn't do too badly last year in his rookie season, if mm. I recall correctly. Oh, we do have a trade, actually. Um mm. I wonder what I wonder how I missed this one. Uh the Blue Jays and the Rockies have agreed to a trade that will send outfielder Randall Grechuk from Toronto to Colorado in exchange for outfielder Rymel Tapia, according to Mark Feinsand of MLB.com. Uh also the Jays will inc- will also acquire infield prospect Adrian Pinto from the Rockies. And they will send cash to Colorado to help cover Grechuk's contract. And uh, the cash in particular is 9.7 mil, uh, which will be split up into into uh, two different payments of 5.3 mil and and 4.3 mil uh, for the next two seasons. So basically, that was the salary dump. Essentially. Yeah. Um, oh, the other thing I forgot eh. that uh, Seattle Seattle did, by the way, was they got uh, Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez from Cincinnati. True. Although I yeah, I, for, I forgot I forgot Seattle I forgot Seattle was pretty active. Yes, although Suarez is a bit of a liability. That was sort of a salary dump for Cincinnati with the Suarez contract that I. Not really sure why they gave Winker away in that deal, but they did. I guess for a better prospect return. Possibly. That could have been. Um, oh, you know what? The, one of the one of the things that also came up this week was the fact that. Uh, Major League Baseball has officially agreed that they will be bringing back the Ghost Runner. I can understand that, even though I hate it. Like I hate it, but like with the with the short with with the short spring training and everything, you really don't want games to stretch on for too long, simply no. because of simply because people just simply because they're just not going to be ready for that, you know. They would have needed yeah. a full off season. I mean, I don't really. I think 
you know, probably because I'm a probably because I'm a I'm a baseball purist or something. I just don't agree with there being with with every team being given essentially a free run almost or a oh, free trust, attempt. Yeah. Trust run. me, I don't like that. Either. Trust me, I don't like that either. But I understand it for this year and for this year only. Oh, it is for this and year only. It, I thought it, I thought yes, it was it's only, for, it's only for this year. After that, we go back to real baseball. Huh. Well, then that doesn't that doesn't make sense. Why why not just put it in from the get go? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but next year they're gonna change the whole game anyway. Yeah. I mean, they are they are going to eventually, but you know, I just i I was talking with my uncle about it earlier. You know, I just I just don't really agree with uh, the fact that it. I understand, you know, that this is part, it's part of the reason why they want to avoid potentially having marathon games, but. Yes. At the same time, you know, there's it 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 just kind of it seems like it kind of cheapens the game by basically giving each team a, ch- a, 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 a almost essentially a free chance at getting a run. Yeah, I I never liked that rule. Get a stronger. I, I get it. But, yeah. you know, you really don't want to – I mean, nobody can take a six-hour game anymore, really. And so, you know, I think it was the reason to try to uh, try to avoid it by putting in this uh, rule, which is now in its third year. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Jed Lowry, uh, he has been brought back by the Oakland Athletics on a one-year deal. Uh, last year, he batted 245 with 28 doubles, 14 homers, and 69 RBIs over 139 games. Um, wow, I can't believe he's at, he's already turning 38 next month, and he's the uh, you know he's a he used to be a former Red Sox. I can't believe he's already uh, he's already gotten up there. Um, yeah. Oakland has already traded away Chris Bassett, Matt Olson, and Matt Chapman this off season. Mm-hmm. The Reds have had a fire sale too, if I'm not mistaken. They traded away Sonny Gray, Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez. Yeah, I don't know who yeah, else they, they traded. Have. They, you know, they're, they're just not as big as the Reds. Yeah, there's a couple of teams who have actually had fire sales, uh, and you know it's 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 kind of going. But I almost kind of think that Atlanta had a bit of a fire sale themselves, except without actually trading away people. Um, I mean, you take a look at who they lost in free agency. Uh, Oh no, they do still have Eddie Rosario. So they did agree to an extension with him. I thought they lost Rosario. 
Well, looking at looking at their roster right now, they did add Kenley Jansen. I think that was probably the best off-season acquisition they they had was adding in Kenley Jansen as their closer. Yeah, um, and here's the thing with their bullpen, they didn't even need to do yeah. that. No, but still, it it it, it gives it gives them a one up over the Dodgers. By mm-hmm. bringing in Kenley Jansen, I mean I understand the acquisition of Matt Olson. I guess I'm I'm just pissed off that you know a team like Atlanta uh, would do would do a guy who basically made their franchise uh, back into who brought their franchise back into relevancy. Uh, how they would do Freddie Freeman like they did. Oh yeah, they did Freddie Freeman so dirty. Like they they've always been a franchise to do right by their franchise icons, but they did Freddie Freeman so dirty. I am I have no yeah. real respect for that. And it's it's no wonder why Freeman left. But, like it, it yeah. from all accounts it sounds like it sounds like the offers were never serious offers. Yeah. And, and trust me, I am so glad to have no. Freddie Freeman out of the ML East. He would always destroy the Phillies. And it looks like it looks like Marcelo Zuna will be the. Uh, wow. Okay. So this is going to be your designated hitter, a guy who batted two thirteen with seven homers and twenty six RBIs last year is going to be your designated hitter. You forget he was suspended most of the season because of the best domestic violence allegations. Yes, yes, but and in so. either way, he should be cut. Just like the Phillies never should have resigned Ozil Herrera and never should have signed Uruguay Familia. I mean, he's only played 108 games the past two years for Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's not great. No, Although I I think the the sixty game season though was COVID shortened though so yeah yeah but he only played in, but he only played in forty eight games last year and here's the thing in sixty games he had eighteen homers and fifty six RBIs while batting three thirty eight last year he batted two thirteen with seven homers and twenty six RBIs in forty eight games twelve less games. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe perhaps his numbers are if his numbers are on the downtrend now that he's uh, now that he's 31, about to be 32 in in November. Possibly. Um, and also, I would like to know. Apparently, the uh, Pacers and Raptors game got delayed a bit tonight because of a fire in the stadium. He, oh, that caused, yeah, yeah. evacuate fans. You know what? That's that's the thing too. How the hell does how the hell does a, does a uh, does a speaker catch on fire? I that's have what no I idea. Uh, someone's gonna get fired for that. I have to imagine. Oh, yeah. it was. That's gonna cost somebody in the main department, department their job. Yeah, keep in mind that's a speaker connected to the jumbotron. How the fuck does that catch fire? 
I mean, there had to be a short circuit or something that would cause the fire yeah. to spark because mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense whatsoever. But, uh, you know, I thought I thought it was crazy when I saw that actually happen yesterday. So Yeah. Um, Somebody I know or, from or the community yesterday. was at the game. And had to be evacuated. Oh. Tim, I I just saw what you just tweeted, uh, or what you just sent me. Bellinger now has 14 strikeouts in 19 spring at-bats and eight strikeouts in a row. What the fuck is going on with Bellinger? I think he needs to adjust his swing, probably. Well, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering if if maybe perhaps some of the you know with the lockout going on, I'm kind of wondering if some players ended up taking the ended up taking the uh, the summer off basically, or not summer the yeah. uh, winter off. Oh, possibly because Schwarber's been struggling too, frankly. I mean, my God. Schwarber has you know, no hit so far. Well, hey, it could be worse. You could you could have somebody by the name of Rob Ref Snyder with a point sixty <laughs> a point zero a point zero sixty three batting average and he's projected to make your starting roster. <laughs> your opening day roster. I mean, seriously, Heimblum has to be high or something if they're if 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 he's going to make the roster over Jaron Duran or hell, I'd even take Franchi Cordero. Yeah, Cordero may suck at hitting, but he at least mm-hmm. is better than point zero sixty three. But anyways, uh, we're pretty much at the end of the show tonight a quick reminder yeah. uh there will be no there will be no sports whispers weekly next week because a i will probably be passed out drunk at some point on next saturday yeah. so uh that is hopefully if i can remember any of the new england revolution game that's set, that i'm set to go to right uh and but, i know good night uh good night lou uh but the the fact, uh, what's it called? Uh, Thursday night we will have the Survivor Forty Two recap podcast hosted by Jim Early, whom without his help none of these podcasts will be possible to bring to you. Uh, I want to give uh, a special thank you to Chris Early, uh, to Lou, to Alexis, and to Tim for joining me tonight. Um, we will be back next, or not, yeah, no, not next Saturday. We will be back on the 9th of April, uh, so two weeks from tonight, uh, for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.